When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Thank you for listening to this Podcast One production. Now available on Apple Podcasts, Podcast One, Spotify, and anywhere else you get your podcasts. You want to go. Yes, go travel, go explore, go find a new city, go reconnect with friends, go have fun. That's why we created OnGo, the trusted rapid COVID-19 self-test. OnGo gives you accurate COVID test results and peace of mind in just minutes. So anywhere you go, you know. You'll know if you're COVID-19 free, and you'll know you're protecting loved ones. OnGo is readily available at letsongo.com, Amazon, Walgreens, or Walmart.com. Use promo code ONGO15 for 15% off at letsongo.com today. Global supply chain issues have made it more difficult than ever to source the parts you need to keep your heavy-duty truck running. That can lead to downtime and lost money. Fortunately, you have a trusted partner that can help keep your rig on the road and running. FindItParts.com is the nation's largest supplier of heavy-duty truck and trailer parts. In just a few clicks, you can access more than $3 billion worth of inventory, millions of part numbers, and all the top brands. Need a part fast? We offer overnight and expedited shipping. Save the time and frustration of calling around trying to find parts. FindItParts.com is your one-stop shopping source for all your heavy-duty truck needs, delivered straight to your doorstep. Use promo code PODCAST for 10% off your next purchase. That's finditparts.com, promo code PODCAST. Your trusted supplier for all heavy-duty truck and trailer parts. This week on Jaws Picks with Ron Jaworski, Peyton Manning. This is Ron Jaworski. Today I'm joined by legendary quarterback Peyton Manning. You know, in Philadelphia, Carson Wentz had a run of like four years of playing terrific quarterback and all of a sudden he gets benched how surprised are you by that it's probably a good year that there aren't many fans allowed at philly stadium when you're (laughs) You're right about uh, that have you ever given thought about possibly becoming an nfl owner or a general manager of an nfl team i've always envisioned you in that role yeah josh i mean i I keep looking for that three billion but i can't (laughs) find it it must be in a must be in another account that i'm not aware of so hey i got a c note in my pocket i'll I'll invest <laughs> okay, perfect. Perfect. Yeah, we'll form a group. Download new episodes of Jaws Picks with Ron Jaworski every Wednesday and Friday on Podcast One and all your favorite podcasting platforms. Hey. 
Welcome to Real GM Radio. I am Danny Lurie, your host, and so happy to have you with us for this episode. This is a continuation of maybe the the longest-running tradition for Real GM Radio, and that is over-unders with Arturo Galetti, CTO of Sports Grid Data Science, and my longtime collaborator on this project. Love doing it with him. And for those of you who have done this before, you know that these are always behemoth podcasts, and so the way that works is it's split into two. This episode is the Eastern Conference, and the Western Conference will come out later, probably on Monday, because they need to, for publishing reasons, need to be released in separate weeks. Lots of great stuff here, and... We try to clarify this as much as possible, but for simplicity's sake, we'd really tie as much as possible to 82-game seasons. So because both last season and the coming season are both unusual numbers of games, try to bring it back that way. I think it's easier for, at least for me, but I think for a lot of people, to connect with these numbers. So we, we kind of tilt it back there, and anytime there's confusion, I apologize, but that's really where we where we push this. Also, you can check out the timestamps. Uh, un- unusual for this current iteration of Real GM Radio, but totally necessary for this episode. There are timestamps, so if you're looking for a specific team or you want to refer back to a specific team, you can check out the ep- episode description and get those there. I hope you really enjoyed. It's always a blast and clarifying to do this with Arturo. So here goes. Thanks so much for coming on. Uh, pleasure to be on. Uh, I think this is, we're going on year, year six, year seven. Time seems to fly, man. It, it really does. And I mean, this has been a, a distinctly different different year and a different process. And I, there are a couple different things that we'll, do, that we'll need to discuss beforehand. And I think where, where we can begin with that is just what, kind of what we're using for information this year. So typically, and I think, um, and I was thought we were talking about this beforehand, we use very good information and it's very good to the point that this is uh, like, so we typically rely on a model as kind of like the third leg of the pod. Uh, and this is the third model that's basically gone on to bigger and greater things. Uh, Jacob Goldstein, who was, who was giving us, uh, kindly giving us season projections, got hired by the Wizards in the offseason. Congratulations which to Jacob. Yeah, congratulations, Jacob. But it's really bad for us for us because, <laughs> like, you know, his his information was great. Everybody really kind of like a lot of people like that I know on uh, on like the private Slack channels were all all NBA nerds were the analytics nerds are all talking like really used to stuff that Jason was sorry that Jacob was coming up with, and so we're glad that he got hired. But like, we're kind of sad because we love the information he was putting together. He's actually like he was coming together with some really nice tools and adding some stuff. And but that's fine. I mean, I mean we're very happy for Jacob. Um, so what I did. Um, uh, in the in the season, and by the way, the, the other reason we're really good, you know that we're sad to lose him is like Jacob's like uh, model was extremely good at this. Yes. It's like seventy percent win percentage over five years, like one, two, three, four, five, six years over six years, six seasons. So sorry, no, sorry, three seasons. So he was very good, and we used him a lot. Um, so to make up for that, uh, what I ended up doing was like we're going to talk a little bit about. Uh, Shane Young, uh, he does projections every year for uh, Forbes. Uh, those are published. We will share those once we have those. Outside, look, we'll share the link to this. He's already published it. You can see it. He's, he did a nice E scene last year. He didn't do it this year, but he does a really nice job on that. His are a little more pundity and a little more kind of uh, uh, like offensive rating, defensive rating based. So they're like slightly different. And then I also got a preprint of Darko, which is the other stats model, the, uh, the, the analytics guys we used. 
And it's a very good model, and I've got that, and we're going to be kind of going to have that. I have my own model number, so we have a nice little analytical component that we're going to be talking about. And I think one of the things that was interesting is I did multiple models, so I'm able to see kind of where there's big discrepancies with with the team. So what I mean by that is there are certain places where, like, all the models go, like, that team is bad, right? Or that team is good, right? But there's a lot of places where, like, there's a few places where, where the models kind of look at the team and go, like, well, we're not sure. Like, <clears throat> one team will, one uh, model will have that team is very good, and one team will have that model is very bad, right? Or not, or not as, not as good. And that discrepancy is interesting because it kind of t- lets us know where there's some kind of, like, big factor kind of uh, occluding things or kind of like making things a little more interesting. So, I mean, like from the point of view of this, where we're going to go, you know, whether we like the over and under and whether we bet it, like in a situation where like the models are, well, that's kind of a highly uncertain situation. Well, that's a situation where we're kind of going to go, well, this is why we think it, you know, this is why the situation is happening. And this is why we wouldn't bet it or we would bet it because we, you know, maybe we, the maybe the situation is X player. I'm uncertain about the rookies on this team. And we're like, when I'm like, well, no, I really love the rookie on that team. Then I'm going to go over. And the other situation would be like, well, no, but I really dislike the rookie on that team. And we might get to that in a little bit. Um, and then that situation I'm going to go under. Uh, fair, Danny. Any anything else you you want me to kind of clarify there? Well, the only other thing to mention, and I, I mentioned this in the intro as well, is that we're going to try to scale as much of this as we can to an eighty-two yeah. game season. And the reason there are a bunch of reasons why. One of them is just that's how a lot of us think about this, but also because both the nineteen twenty season and the current one are both going to be different numbers from each other. So trying to calibrate everything to a, to an 82 game season is just the right way to think about it. So if I'm I'm talking about let's say like the Knicks over under is at 25 and a half or 24 and a half, that is on an 80 that is on an 82 game season and we will talk we'll, but we'll we'll try to make it as clear as we can. It there will probably be times we slip up but by context I think people should be able to figure it out. Yeah, I mean I think the other thing to really that's really important and you mentioned the schedule which is typically we have an 82 game season which is fairly balanced in terms of the schedule for every team that's not the case this year so we have a 72 game season every team plays every team in the other conference twice home and home so they're playing home and away in conference you're playing three games against each team in the conference which means you're playing like some teams you're playing at home and then twice on the road and then twice at home and once on the road against some teams so there's a real chance there's going to be teams that have like four la road games and like four like Denver, Utah road games, right? So somebody's going to get hosed on the schedule. We don't know that because the, season, the the league is only published about half the season. So at this point, we don't know what the balancing on the schedule is going to be. So like for this particular season, I'm going to say check back during the season because if a team gets hosed on the schedule, then you need to make adjustments on kind of what you're betting and look for a hedge position on some of this. So it is, so it is a, a, an additional bit of uncertainty because there, there, there's there's going to be teams that are that are just going to have like a really bad schedule to contend with, right? And we don't know what that schedule is going to be there yet. So in essence, here we're going like, okay, we're doing baseline projections, but with the understanding that there's some leeway there. And like, I mean, that swing on the schedule can be like, you know, up to like could be something like three games depending. And that can be significant on kind of how this plays. Like the opposite on that is like somebody might just like not get road games in L.A. And like or like maybe get like only two road games in L.A. And maybe like two Utah Denver games, right? Which which does actually make a swing, particularly like it's somebody it's somebody like Memphis and Portland. 
And I just picked those two teams at random because they were contending for the last playoff spot last year. Like, you know, we don't know exactly which one of the teams in that eight spot race is going to be kind of, you know, getting the favorable schedule and whatnot. But again, you, we can we can come back to that. There's going to be like, like I said, there's going to be problems with the over unders on this, but there's going to be uh, opportunities later in the season for like. Um, Division odds. I'm, I'm I'm suspecting, right? Yeah. Because somebody once we get the second divisions, like once we get the second seasons, or second half schedule, there's going to be at least one team that's going to have a favorable edge on the division. I bet, right? Yeah. As and, and we'll have favorable odds and like and like a good a good schedule for that. We've we've had a couple of those hit and it's been really nice. So we can start this. We we go bottom to top. That's the way you and I enjoy doing it. And we're starting with a familiar team at the bottom of the we're, East. We're starting, we're starting with our traditional starting team. We're yeah. starting with a team that, like, we're starting with one of the original eight. We're starting with a team that generally gets the sweet position. And we're starting with a team that basically, like, is the classic bet the under team. We're talking, we're talking about the New York Knickerbockers. And what's stunning for this year is you and I have done very well in previous seasons because the the very aggressively bet teams, namely major markets, but also maybe some specific enthusiasm, those teams generally have aggressive lines. Because remember, the goal of, a, of an odds maker yeah. is to get equal betting on both sides of it. And so well, with, were, a, with a team like the Knicks, generally the idea is that that line is going to be, the Knicks lines are almost always higher than you and I think it is. However... Yeah, the Knicks, the Knicks are... Um, they're basically uh, in the last one, two, three, four, five, six, seven years. The under is six, and let's call it six and six zero and one, because really the one year where they went slightly over it depends on when you got the line. You may have gotten the line for under, you may have gotten the line, which was twenty sixteen. Oh, so one, one other clarification quickly. Um, I should have mentioned this in the beginning. You and you and I are recording this on Wednesday the sixteenth. The lines mo- that we're using mostly came on Monday and Tuesday of this week. Right. I mean, the lines, the, the over on the lines haven't moved that much. Um, you wouldn't expect them to. They, there hasn't been any major news. So, but the, yeah, but the good point. We got them on the fourteenth of February of uh, December, and we're uh, we're recording on the sixteenth. Yes. Yeah. So, it just be- wanted to have that out there. So, the Knicks, um, th- they're if we're prorating it to eighty-two games, their um, their their over under line is basically twenty-four and a half. So that means if you want to go under. They need to win 24 or fewer. If they're going to go over, they need to win 25 or more. And to make things, and so this is a pretty good line. If you want to use cleaning the glass, so cleaning the glass filters out garbage time. They're the Knicks based on point differential. Their expected 82 game win total last year was 25.3. So this is basically straight in line. They did change their head coach. They didn't change the roster that much, though they did change it a little bit. And so I am a little bit uncomfortable because this is a good Knicks line. It's kind of like I'm losing my totem because usually like betting the Knicks under has been one of the few true constants of this of this podcast. I mean, you kind of (laughs) I think the trick on this, I think we had the same conversation last year where we where we kind of looked at the Knicks line uh, and said, uh, we think it's under. We would probably prefer to bet it. And I can actually confirm that. I think we said we prefer to bet it later in like we when it when it goes down. So I had it under and fade last year because I remember clearly saying, "Hey, it was uh, it was twenty seven and a half last year," and I was like, "I would like to get it at like, can you give me that next line at twenty eight or twenty eight and a half, and I'd be happy." And I think that's kind of the same deal here. So right now, again, the line for the Knicks right now is twenty one and a half, and I would love it to, love to get it at twenty two or twenty two and a half. Uh, and, and to Danny's point, I mean, like. I, 
The thing with the Knicks, and I was kind of going over this with somebody last night, which is their drafts have been really, really bad. Um, and I'm not a Barrett fan. I'm not an Obi Topin fan. Uh, we were having this combo, and like for a couple guys, we we're talking like, so I, I'm, I'm, I think Vassal and Halliburton are clearly better than uh, than Obi Topin, uh, and they're also, I mean, they're better and they're younger. And so, I mean, I think the Knicks kind of did not do themselves any favor with that. My draft model did not like Topin. My draft model did not like Barrett. Uh, so, I mean, like, you know, they got Mitch Rob. They have the trick on this also is their coach is going to drive that team to the ground, too. They've got Tibbs as a coach. So, like, Tibbs generally exceeds uh, his projections because he just plays everybody just crazy minutes. So, the Knicks are in a really weird spot. I'm probably going to repeat my take from last year and go under fade on them because do we, I mean, we don't think they're tanking this year, do we? No, I, I so the the Knicks are in the situation of a team that I think will try to win, but just isn't good enough to win a lot. Well, and they own their, but you know, but you know, the thing is, it, it, it's 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 in the early going, Thibs. in the early going, nope. and so then but what? Thibs. We know that Thibs is going to play these guys. Like he's going to play Mitch Rob. Like he's basically going to kill all these guys. Well, Isn't but but see, I, see, I think he's going to overplay Noel. I think that's the way you know because Noel is a probably a better player right now. Um, but so the reason that I'm going under fade on the Knicks and I, you know, like this year I considered going over to, it's, it's a distinct possibility is because you, you, so you think about the idea of, well, what can a Thibodeau team, what can a Thibodeau team, you know, like what's different? Oh, he's going to play his best players more. And I just don't think the Knicks best players are good enough. Like that's the, the fundamental problem. Also, they're also, they're also going to play, they're also going to play like Thibs will get him playing at least like not, I mean, it won't be great defense, but it'll be uh, solid. I'm more skeptical on that uh, after the Minnesota years. Like, those teams had bad defensive personnel, and other than, like, a stretch when Jimmy Butler was doing well, they weren't really that good defensively. Now, you could argue that this Knicks team actually has better defensive personnel than those two yeah, that's teams the argument, did. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it, it's an interesting question. Um, I So I'm, I'm under fade with them. I understand like this this is and by the way by the way i think everything is under fade with them by the way i'm looking at this like everything the model is under fade i'm under yeah, fade exactly you're under fade. where would you like this is a question where would you like the the models are projecting 21 and 20.2 versus the line which is 21 and a half so basically would, they're slight unders yeah yeah where would you bet the knicks um, so I'll tie it to an 82 game season. If it was like, if, so right now it's 24 and a half on an 82 game season. Yeah. If it was like 27, 28, I would definitely bet it. If it was 26, I'd feel a little bit interested because then you get a little bit more. But I think, nope. I think I would want to have, yeah. I would want to win on 26. So like, so basically if you got a, if you got an additional, so in essence, Couple the, games. Line, the line is actually like 21 and a half right now. So if the line was 23, we'd bet under, would you bet over on 20? No, I wouldn't play it. I might consider switching to an overfade. Yeah, I think I think we're both we're both in the same place. I think that like if I like we both we both would take the under if we got an additional point like under at twenty three uh, wins. Yeah, in the abbreviated yeah. season because it's it's just one of those things where like you look at it and go like oh god because Jesus Christ it's just it, it's just a wrong it's it's it, it's because it's Thibs, right? And and I'm like I'm hesitant because they're going to play hard. But here's the thing: they I could also see them like going full. Like I could see a bunch of these teams just going fully in the tank for Cade, right? And to clarify for everybody who's like who's kind of not paying attention to the NCAA yet, Cade Cunningham is the um, 
the number the clear number one pick, and he Kate Cunningham, Kate Cunningham is probably one of the better. He's the best number one pick since Luca, probably. Like to me, like we've been looking at him, and he's 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 great. So I think there's a lot of teams that are going to go rightly in the tank for him because that and, is, and it's a pr- it's a pretty strong from what I've heard preliminarily, a pretty strong top like three or four. Yes. So remember, lottery reform makes it less likely that the worst team is going to get the number one pick, but it still makes it more likely that you're going to get a good pick. And so I think that is going to push teams down. And remember, that is an important consideration that I wanted to bring up during during this section, that remember what happened last year, which was the season was abbreviated due to COVID, and especially the Delete 8 teams, they never got that time of over-tanking. So the Knicks... Well, no, may- but, they also, but they also weren't like... Teams like Chicago, because of the change in rule, teams like Chicago and New York weren't playing that hard for the tank, because the change in rule made it so that they really didn't have to. Or, or that they weren't on the court at all. So, like, I mean, the, so teams like the Knicks, the Knicks just didn't go to Orlando. So we don't have stats on that. Their their stuff is prorated from before the season got to a halt. So I think that teams like like the, I think the Knicks. So the Knicks cleaning the glass had them in as twenty five one team, and it's different there because Fisdale got hired, Mike Miller got hired, and they were better after that change. So maybe they were, you know, maybe that shift neutralizes a little bit. But a team like the Cavs, a team like the Knicks, my argument would be that over a f- if they had had a full 82-game season, some of their numbers would have looked worse because they would have gotten more of that over-tanking time, which they did not because the season ended in, in March for them. So actually, more interesting question. What do you think of Oba Topin for Rookie of the Year at 7-1? to So Topin is, is a challenge because I think that—so well, for me, it's a no because the—, the I, I'm really struggling with rookie of the year this year. I will say that I will say that pretty openly. But the things that you want to look for as a basic thing are opportunity. Playing time is always number one. Guy has to actually be on the floor, and then counting stats. And so Toppin's counting stats when he plays, I think, will be fine. Um, there will be as I was I was watching uh, a Knicks Pistons. I watched actually both of their preseason games. Lots of opportunities for offensive rebounds with those two teams, but in the Knicks in particular, but I don't think that he's going to play enough. So I wouldn't, I don't really like the numbers on him. Yeah. I mean, I think that's that's the question with Obadopin is if he plays enough in that offense, uh, I mean, I think just because of the minutes and the usage, the question is going to be, if he's good, is he going to get usage over Barrett? So I think seven to one's probably like a little bit too high. Yeah. It's too high for me. I mean, like, I mean, if it was 10 to one, then probably think about it. There are some other candidates that I like more. So I'm going to say, like, uh, and again, I'm not a big Topin fan. Like, my model, again, my model, like, strongly dislikes Topin. So, like, I think it's just it's just a matter of opportunity. It's one of these, like, where it's a matter of opportunity. So do I think that he's going to get the opportunity? Uh, even on a fifth team, I don't think that's going to be the case. And I don't think that, I mean, I don't think there's well, any case where we both think that the Knicks are going to be better than they're, than what we're projecting, right? Right, and, and there's also the challenge for the Knicks that, like, Toppin's going to be terrible defensively, and Tibbs doesn't generally like that. So I think that it's, I, I think that Toppin playing more could actually make them, could make them worse. I, I think we're pretty much in line here. We can jump to the Cavs. Cleveland is a, is another interesting case. Remember, they had coaching turmoil last year. They acquired Andre Drummond in season, so they lost mm-hmm. relative to last season. They lost Tristan Thompson, but they but they have Drummond for the whole season. They per cleaning the glass, they played last year at an at a twenty two point three win pace over eighty two games. They this year's over under is set if we're going eighty two games. It's basically a little bit over 25. So that means if you, for an 82 game season, if you bet, if, if the Cavs win 25 or fewer, that means you would, ca- you would cash on the under. And if they win 26 or more, you would cash on the over. I mean, the trick with this team looking at them is okay, so is 
is Kevin Love staying with? We've had this conversation with like, Kevin Love staying with this team. I think so. I think that it's hard to trade him. You know, it's, it's still a negative value contract. And Cleveland, this is this is the challenge that I thought Minnesota was going to be in with Andrew Wiggins, but then the the D'Angelo Russell deal happened, and Wiggins also played better. Is Cleveland would be better off not having Kevin Love's contract on their books. But are they going to give up assets to make it happen? I don't think so. And so I, I think he's going to be there now. How much will he play? That's another huge question here. And then, so the, the big thing for me was so interesting with Cleveland is they're very similar team to last year in terms of personnel. Like they'll have more Drummond, um, less Thompson. But I think, well, go ahead. Here's the first, here's the first uh, exodus of a good defense player from, uh, from the Lakers player. We've got... Uh, JaVale McGee added to this team. Now, and JaVale is actually a really good defensive player. They've also added, like, Drummond. So at center, theoretically, this team is good at center defensively. The trick with this is, like, it's Cleveland. So, like, you know, I don't think Tristan Thompson was, like, if you look at the advanced stats for Thompson, Thompson was rated really badly while playing with Cleveland. But I think a lot of that is the scheme and the coaching and the personnel. Yeah. And Cle- it's like, who who who's getting blame and credit when things go well and poorly? And so yeah. Tristan, Tom- I mean, Tristan Thompson wasn't the reason they sucked. He didn't clean everything up. No, if you look, if you look at the actual, if you look at the actual film, like in this, we'll talk about it when we get to another Eastern Conference team. But like, you look at the actual film. Tristan Thompson does not look like a bad defensive player. He looks like a decent defensive player. He doesn't look as bad as his numbers because, again, the personnel that he had around him was really, really bad defensively. And, like, that really hasn't changed. So I don't know that, like, it's kind of a lateral move. And I think that, in a way, yes, having Drummond and McGee is good, but it doesn't help them with the fact they don't have anybody on the wing that can cover defensively. Like, yeah, they literally it, do it, not have anybody on the wood who can cover anybody. It's basically that falls on Isaac Okoro, and asking a rookie to do that is a lot. Now, I think – so, So here, well, 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 I'll start here, actually. Okoro, to me, I was looking at his his rookie of the year line, and what I'm seeing, correct me if I'm wrong, is about 20 to 1. Uh, let me get that. Like, oh, that's when, I, when I'm looking at the rookie of the year line – I think I've seen it. Like you had some places. Twenty-five. No, the best line. The best, the best odds you get is twenty-five. So Okoro is fascinating for that because he's not going to have. I think he's going to play a lot. I think that Okoro is. You know, the, basically he's he might be the best wing that Cleveland has already. And I, we've got him at. We've got him at like. And, and when I say we, we daily roto. So like my my fantasy side, we were doing season one projections. So we went through every player. And he's got 1,770 minutes, which is, yeah, that's, that's a fair amount. Like 72 yeah. games. And, but, but he will be probably lower usage in part because of the role that he has and in part because yeah. he's probably going to be spending a lot of his time playing with two guys, in, two point guards who like I the think, ball a lot and Kevin Love who likes the ball a lot. I think people will like Okoro, but I don't think Okoro's going to like – he's not going to get enough usage for it. Yeah. Like, not this, like there's going to be like some, a lot of flappier players. And the problem for Okoro, and we'll get into when we talk about the Western Conference, is I think that like – so I think Tyrus Halliburton is a better player in that mold. Like, if you're going to talk about a guy who's going to be, like, great defensively and going to do a bunch of things, and but he's actually also going to get, like, flashy steals and dunks. Like, well, but, like, but here's here's the difference with Okoro and why I think he could win in, like, a Malcolm Brogdon sort of way ooh. is that he there, – there are a lot of players – Okoro is, was not my favorite guy, though I had him pretty high in this class. But I think the combination of opportunity is going to help because Halliburton you brought up, and you and I both like Tyrese Halliburton. He's not going to start. He's not going to start. So like I think that there could it yeah. could be it could be a really weak year where the best kind of like the best long-term players don't start 
and then the kind of weaker ones do. And so you you have this case where there are kind of a lot of bunched. And in that circumstance, I could see somebody like a core. Okay, I wouldn't throw a lot of money. Like I don't think this is a screaming deal, but you know, a, a small amount on a Coro, which maybe you end up being able to hedge later on. Like maybe he starts out hot, maybe he's doing that, and then all of a sudden you see like. Uh, you see maybe Halliburton gets put into the starting lineup or something. Then you go, okay, now we'll see if we can do where something else you, with this. Where are you on the over-under for the Cavaliers? Okay, let's, yeah, and now we can get back there. Um, so I'm an underplay here. and Yeah, well, I think we both, like, I think we, we both kind of uh, agree on that. I'm going to yeah. go underplay because I just kind of think, I just think that it's just, they're so bad defensively on the uh, on the wing. They're really so bad defensively on the wing that even the fact that they added JaVale, who's a really good defender on the wing, and they've got Drummond, isn't really going to help them too much. And I just struggle to see how they beat teams on a night-to-night yeah. basis. What, what, the way, one of the ways that I like to think about this, and it kind of flips around with good with good and bad teams, is what would it look like if I were really wrong? Like, so if they, if they exceeded it. And so, like, basically in this case, so if we prorate it to 82 games, like, how would they be a 30-35 to 35 win team? And their offense would have to be a lot better. And, you know, that would be a lot of it would where be passage. Yeah, where pass, is it coming from? Yeah, passage of time, internal improvement, Kevin Love playing more. You know, like what happens a lot of times with the young guards is they're terrible when they come into the league. And then as they get closer to passable, then that makes a huge By difference. Way, you know, like Colin Sexton and Garland. Like Garland was one of the league's worst players last year. I think he'll be better this year. And even if he's not good, being better than one of the league's worst helps. By the way, let me clarify this for you. We have Kevin Love playing about 22 minutes a night, right, per game. And yeah, and, and that, so, that's probably going to be more like he plays 30 and then he misses games and some, you know, that. that. No, no, no. I'm saying, like, what we're saying he's going to average, like, 25. Like, when was the last time he averaged 20? Like, this is 25 minutes a game over, over a season. So I'm kind of like, I'm, I'm looking at the projection and going, like, so what, what does it look like if we're, like, you're saying, what if it looks like if we're wrong on that, on that end? But I could totally see Kevin Love playing less than 20 minutes a night. Like, I could totally, like, we've got him at 1,600 minutes. I could see him playing, like, 1,000, right? And being out, like, 25 games. Sure. And, if yeah, Kevin, and that's, what, that's what I was trying to clarify. It's like, it's, you're, you're saying minutes per game the Cavs play, not game Love, Kevin Love. Right, right. So I'm saying that, like, I could totally see Kevin Love missing a bunch of time. And if Kevin Love misses a bunch of times, then this team is just like, where are the, like, you, no. Like, like basically, it's, it's Dante X, like, dude, God, Dante X is on this team? Good Lord. Um, yeah, it's cap- it's it's a very it's a very strange collection, and I and I'm I'm not this the is, biggest fan like- of JB Bickerstaff. I think I don't think he's like abysmal, but I also don't think he's one of the best coaches in the league. I think that there, you know, his you look at the difference. The Grizzlies were better defensively when he was like you know that that year that he was there, but also. Th- Taylor Jenkins really improved the, the Grizz- Grizzlies offensively, despite kind of weird talent. And so, like you think about the Cleveland, Cleveland's going to need some, you know, ingenuity. I who think is, to maximize their the guys. Best, who is the best wing player on this team? I think it's. I mean, it's probably Kevin Porter or Akura, which is crazy considering they're playing Jetty Osman. Oh God, nine million. <laughs> yeah, like yeah, there's there's like God, this is so bad, and they're a bad defensive team. God, no, 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 no. Yeah, under no, Un- underplay. I'm, yeah. Yeah, and you and you like Okoro a little bit for Rookie of the Year. 25. I do. Like it, it, it's not like a, it's not a screaming deal to me, but it's I would consider it. So if somebody's higher on Okoro than me, because it's just twenty five is a pretty strong return. Like I think I think the chances of him winning Rookie of the Year are maybe like one in ten. And so what is, I mean, if yeah, you I get twenty five to one and it's one in ten, then that's not bad. I mean, when we start getting into the more, well, we're start talking about some of those. We're start talking about some of the more serious rookie of the year candidates in the next two teams that we're going to talk about. So I think there's there's enough flashy players on this where I'm kind of like, 
And 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 there's enough. I mean, there's enough similar players to Okoro on slightly better situations. I mean, like here's the thing. I think if if Halliburton was playing on not the Spurs, which I you're right about this. Like Pop does not like playing rookies. But if Halliburton was playing on a team that would actually give him some run, then yeah, I think it would be definitely my dark horse pick. But I know yeah. why you're going the other way on that. Okay, so, so let's let's jump to the Pistons. Um, the Pistons are third in the kind of these projections. I, I don't even want to really tie too much to last year because last year was so anomal. What was different, like the, the personnel changed over a lot under new GM Troy Weaver. They do have the same coach, Dwayne Casey. Uh, and so they're over under using the kind of the framework that we've been doing on an 82 game basis. It's basically they would need if you're going under, they would need to win 26 or fewer. And if you if you're going over, they need to win 28 or more because the line there's a little bit of a split there as you prorate it to 82 games. Uh, this is this is a challenging. I was kind of hoping the Pistons line was going to be a little bit more optimistic after all the money they spent, and I was going to hammer the under. This is a little bit more pessimistic. So they let Christian Wood go, and they went out and got all these centers. Like, what is the sense of this team? Like, well, so here's the, here's the craziest thing about the Pistons: they spent all this money on the front court, including Jeremy Grant, who I like but don't love. And they're still not going to be good defensively. Like that—that's the craziest part. You you could see a circumstance yeah. where a team spent a ton of money on the front court, and you go, "Oh my God, they still don't have anybody who can shoot." They're gonna, you know, they're gonna face all these problems offensively, and the Pistons are going to face problems offensively. You know, you know who Darko thinks is the best defensive player on this team? Oh God, Mason Plumley. Yeah, uh, well, Plum, Plumley's fascinating in terms of some of the on-off stuff too, because like there was a, there, the Denver Nuggets had some real fun on-off and all that last yeah, year. The only the only two plus offensive players, per, per defense defensive players for this team, uh, per uh, Darko, I think, and this doesn't include rookies. It's going to be DeLon Wright and Mason Plumley. And yeah. eh, eh. <laughs> I mean, here's the thing: like the, what what you are assuming. Again, the assumption on this, on the upside on this team is like, is Blake Griffin. If Blake Griffin is healthy and he plays a significant amount of time, then this is a, you know, this could be close to a, a 500 team. Like this is, this is how they win 36 games if Blake Griffin just goes off, right? The problem with that is one, Blake really has not been able to stay healthy. Two, they really should be looking to move Blake. And I do think if Blake is healthy, there are going to be buyers for Blake, right? I think there's, I, I think that's 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 a thing, and I think that there just as you're saying, there just isn't anything else on this team, right? Well, like, the, the other big part of it is they're going to be bad offensively. I mean, I've I've as I said, I've watched some of their preseasons, but I thought it already. Like I, we'll, we'll get to Killian Hayes in a second, but like I, I was gonna say, Killian Hayes, Killian Hayes' future could be bright, but the history of teenage point guards starting in the NBA is not a pretty one. You know, and and there's a reason for that. It takes a lot of time to adjust. And if they're playing him with DeLon Wright, if they're playing Hayes with, like, they're they're just Derrick Rose. Yeah, there aren't that many like that. You brought up the like two plus defensive players. There aren't that many plus offensive players for the Pistons either. And then you think about well, one of the ways you can turn limited offensive players into more positive is by lowering their usage and having spacing around them. And yeah, but if you have to, if you have Killian Hayes, the whole point of Killian Hayes is basically to like drive and drive and pop, right? Right, exactly. And but they don't have that many. They don't have that many poppers. They so don't like, have yeah. So like Svima Kaliuk, I do really like, and they can they, they have Wayne Ellington because they have to have one, one one forgotten one forgotten shooter. Like that's just the way it always Again, works. This is, and we'll talk about we'll, when we talk about the next team. It's going to be the opposite situation. But who is who is thinking that like so? Killian Hayes is is his. 
I mean, okay, so for the uninformed here, Killian Hayes is a rookie prospect, like a rookie he just got signed in. A lot of people really loved him. Uh, my model is more skeptical on him. He's playing in Europe. Uh, he's, his game style is very hardened, Ginobili style. In terms of like, he's a very much a slasher. He'll drive him pop. He drives him to contact. He does the euro step thing. He's also so, extremely left-handed, which is funny with the with the Harden right. stuff because he, I mean, he, Harden's right hand is better than I think some give him credit yeah, for, but he's still very left-handed. He trends to one hand, which is a problem if you're covering him because you can basically cheat off of him. The second part is he his shot is not there yet. He's so young, his shot is not there yet. So he doesn't quite have the shot, and there's nobody on this team to catch threes from him, right? So if he's collapsing the defense by driving in, like he's popping out to who, right? And it's kind of the same problem that like Blake's going to have because Blake's really good at doing the – like when Drake's, Blake's healthy, Blake can drive the ball, do the isolation pop, and like pop out somebody to make an open shot. But again, there's nobody on this team to make an open shot, and they didn't go out to actually get anybody to actually do that. So given that, I'm talking myself into under into underplay for this team. Yeah, I'm still I'm still I, maybe it's my respect for Blake Griffin, and I also think Dwayne Casey like his teams generally try on defense. Oh, I, I forgot I forgot about that Dwayne Casey. That's another reason for me to go underplay. Does <laughs> he? I think I think if Casey is a better regular season coach than playoff coach, I think that he you know his teams generally they generally compete. You know. I was, I, I, I was making I was making this li- I was making this line which is I was talking about Brad Stevens which is like if you're the coach who makes me want to throw my phone into a wall because of your of your of some of your selections during the playoffs generally when that happens when you when when that coach gets fired the team gets better right and and that's and, true and Casey Casey's like that in the sense that like he just makes. He just makes these dumb choices, and I'm actually like, I'm actually at the point with Casey that like strategically, I actually kind of think the staff he had around him was actually better than him. And like, and I mean, I don't think he's bad. I just don't, I don't, I don't like his strategic choices. I never have, right? And you know, it's just I'm looking at this team and going like, okay, so from a roster perspective, does this what what they did make sense? No, they they went out and built around centers, but they didn't keep keep Christian Wood. Do they have shooters? Like, they went out and got Killian Hayes. Great. They got, I mean, Killian Hayes was the player to get at that position, but they don't have the shooters to surround them. So this well, and, doesn't really work for Hayes. And, and the other part with Killian Hayes is, like, even if even those who are optimistic about the prospect that he was and the player he will be, it's still going to take time. Like, that's – that unless he's basically the next Chris Paul, you don't really see – Well, I was going to say, they took – they took Killian Hayes at seven. Would you have taken Killian Hayes? If you were the Pistons, if you were running the Pistons and you had the seventh pick, would you have taken Killian Hayes or Halliburton? I had Halliburton four on my board. So yeah, I would, I mean, yeah. I would have taken Halliburton over. Would you have taken, would you have taken Killian Hayes or Devin Vassell? I, I didn't watch film on Vassell. So I, uh, so Vassell is, is he, I didn't, I didn't consider him because yeah, I didn't I think, watch film. I think the problem, like a bunch of the teams are like, well, you know, like with like Toppin and uh, like Hayes and like, I'm going like, dude, the Vassell, like just, why are you Vassal and Halliburton, right? And I think Halliburton would have been a way better fit for this team. And this is again, this is not a dig on on on. Uh, I like Killian Hayes' potential. I actually think that's like Halliburton's a better player. And Hassel and Halliburton would have been a better fit for this roster because Halliburton's more of a like he's more of a point, right? He can do things. He can shoot. He can like so. Whereas Hayes kind of needs a team where he kind of can like he needs somebody to create off him right that's that's the problem here unless you're going to play a two-man game with griffin but again even if you're doing that then you're kind of like you're, you're kind of hamstringing the what you want like ideally would like this used to happen with chris paul and like and like ideally you want these guys playing separately so blake can do the same create and pop thing 
but you need players to make shots around them. And again, throw in the fact that like Derrick Rose, like Derrick Rose also doesn't fit, right? Like if you, if you because he also like his value is also going to be kind of like a creating. He's he's not a shooter. So I'm looking at this team. It makes no sense. So this is why I'm well, going here's, to play here, Here's the other reason I'm going fade instead of play. Mm-hmm. This is a very weird argument, but it is one that I think is relevant, which is how how many of your minutes are going to competent NBA players? And I think that this Pistons team isn't good, but they, they aren't going to be doing like, let's say like the 17-18 Phoenix Suns, where they're just giving a ton of minutes to guys that just straight up shouldn't shouldn't be getting NBA minutes. Like that is an easy way to sink a team. Last year's Hawks, I think, had, had a their, problem. Where's their third guard? I mean, so the, I think it's going to be it's going to be Hayes, Rose, and 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 Delon Wright in some configuration. I don't think they're going to start all three of those. So the third one is whoever doesn't start. Okay, who's their fourth guard? Well, then probably Spee or or Ellington if he's healthy enough to play. Oh God, and who's who, like? But like that's not that's not terrible. Like if we're if we're if we're Svee, I think is a, is an NBA player. I think that so I, is, Plum, is Plumlee their starting center. Yes. Oh God. I'm, I'm not going over on a team that has Mason Plumlee as their starting center. But but yeah. So I mean, but but you think about it. So they're they're let's let's say it's Hayes. Let's say it's Hayes, DeLon Wright, who also remember a Dwayne Casey favorite because he's played for Casey oh, previously. But he's got a he's got a he's got a bunch of bench guys starting. Yeah, but, like, but he also has like the- enough bench guys to also play on the bench. I, I I don't I don't like this team. I, oh, like, I don't like I, them either. That's why I'm going under. But it's it's an okay, under fade. It's an under fade for me just because I could see. So if we're extrapolating it to 82 games, I could see them winning 30. Like that's not that's not too crazy for me. Like I don't see them making the playoffs. I don't see it. And, and so the way I could be wrong, like I I think it's more likely that my mistake here is that I should have played it instead of that it went over. But I'm I'm acknowledging the possibility. I also have a fair well, amount of plays on the board, so I'm I'm like okay with it. Blake at 501. No. Okay, even if he gets traded to a better team? No. The guys getting traded in season don't win MVP. True. Uh, let's see. Killian Hayes, uh, I believe it's 10 to 1. 10 to yes. 1. That's not bad. Um, I think that he could put up counting stats. I, I don't, I don't, I actually, from a value perspective, I don't think I like it as much as Okoro just because, you know, I don't think I, Hayes' odds are that much better and the payout well, is a lot less, but it's, it's not a bad line. Here's the secret. Here's the secret bonus for uh, Killian Hayes. His running mate on uh, his other, like his his running mate is is uh, a player we fondly call in uh, DFS General Soreness. Uh, so Derek Rose, General Soreness. I could totally see Derek Rose just missing forty games. I could also see Derek. Uh, I think Derek Rose is going to end the season on a different team. So like, yeah, that's the and, other and, one. and I think and, and I think if that's the case, and you're looking at like so, Killian Hayes might end up like. Getting the most minutes of any rookie. Yes, uh, I, th- uh, I think there's a clear argument that Hay- that Killian Hayes wins Rookie of the Year. It's just that think, G- he also might be t- he he might have the. So I think of Colin Sexton I, with this. Me, like Hayes, me, I like Hayes better than Sexton, but the idea of like he played a lot of minutes, but he wasn't good. Let me let me let me put this to you too this way. If I put what, what odds would you give Killian Hayes for having the most minutes of any rookie? Oh, uh, I'll do it in percentages. I would say like forty percent, maybe fifty. So yeah, close to even money. And how? What? 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 What line would you set for having the most usage of any rookie? Raw usage. Hmm. Same, right? I'd say it's a little bit lower than that, but not much. There aren't many high usage guys in this class. Yeah, I think I think that like it, um, we'll talk about that. Like yeah, but we'll talk about the next one. I think Killian Hayes is the path to the most usage and the most minutes of any rookie very easily. And I think the, the the obvious problem is like I would like for him to have a shooter right with him, um, but I think Killian Hayes a ten to one is a really good. Yes, bet I think it's a totally reasonable bet. 
Yeah, I think we both we both like we both like it, right? We're I like Killy. I like the Killy. If I were to bet on something with the Pistons, I like Killian Hayes rookie of the year better than their under, but uh, not but not by a ton. Are you doing? But you are you you're doing under fade on under that. fade? Yes. Killian uh, Hayes uh, for our rookie of the year at ten to one. No, I think it's a great bet because like his usage is going to be so so high, yeah. so so high, and like and and you know again, Derek Rose is going to be out, so there are going to be games where like he's going to play like thirty five minutes. Uh, and, and, and so that actually kind of makes it like Blake might be out too. There might be games where Blake and Rose, like when they're going to be games where Blake and Rose are going to be out and just everything runs through Gillian Hayes. Right. Yeah. Uh, granted, we don't know what he's going to do with that usage, but it's, you know, it's there. It's, it's something that like makes it a lot more interesting. So but, now we come to a more interesting team. Oh boy. Now we come to, uh, the Char- the Charlotte Hornets, right? Yeah. Um, so I'll walk people through this. So the Hornets yeah. last year had one of the greater disparities in the entire NBA, and for those who remember, Hornets over Baby was like my thing last year, they had one of the greater disparities between their wins and their expected win percentage. They outperformed their point differential in a shortened season by four games. So they were they played at the they played at the um with a differential of a twenty-four win team, but they instead prorated one twenty-nine. And if we're extrapolating to eighty-two, obviously they signed Gordon Hayward and and drafted LaMelo Ball. The the over under for them is is basic it's a, it's in the it's in the thirty point so what that means is if the Hornets win on an eighty two game season if they win thirty games or fewer then the under cashes and if they win thirty one or more then the over cashes yes um this is a really interesting team because to me like so they prorated game they won twenty nine games prorated last year right um is this team better than last year's team. Yes, I, I think that they are, but not as clearly as as I think some. I mean, sure, Gordon Hayward is a is a material upgrade there, um, and especially Gordon Hayward over like Batum wasn't wasn't great there last year. Or any any of the other ones though, they did remember they had Marvin Williams for a meaningful portion of last year, and he's obviously now gone and even retired from that point. Uh, they're still. You know, we'll see how much Cody Zeller they get versus how much Cody Zeller they had last year. Biombo is backing him up, but they'll probably play PJ Washington some. And you know, Devontae Graham had a breakout year, uh, and they'll play plenty of Terry Rozier, and they still have the same coach. So I would say they're better, and that's why I brought up the disparity between their wins and their between their wins last year and their and their expected wins is because. I think that margin is what's so telling with the with the Hornets this year. Yeah, this isn't this isn't this isn't quite a huge discrepancy in the models, but it's a significant discrepancy in the models. We've got them like a seven point difference between kind of what 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 we say and what we like, you know, what the what the models do. I'm so again. Here's the thing: all the models kind of like so. Shane's model has them under. Uh, Darko has them under. The only model like my 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 PM based model has them over. I actually, looking at this team, my gut says this is an over team. And really, here's the problem with this, right? So I can't, when I make these models, I have to say rookies, I don't know what they are. And in case like somebody like Lamelo, I look at him and go like, I can't tell. So in essence for Lamelo, I just said like he is an, I'm assuming he is a league average starter, right? That's oh, I think what... he'll be way worse than that. As a rookie, I, he's my number one prospect and then it's here. It's here by himself, I, but it's going to take him time. I, I see. I like I like him a lot, and I like him on this team because they're not one. They're not. It's kind of the opposite of Killian. Like I know how Lamelo's going to get his points. Lamelo's going to get his points by like going to the hoop, right? Because like the difference between Lamelo and Lonzo is that Lamelo is a guy like Lamelo loves to go into contact, 
and he gets the rebounds. And he's a lot more aggressive uh, at going And he's the, not afraid he, of shooting free throws. Right. He's not afraid of shooting free throws. And his shooting form is better than Lonzo's. And he's also got the passing and the deep. So he's a better player. Like, I was, I was telling somebody, he's basically, he's basically Kate Cunningham if Kate Cunningham was, like, worse at everything, right? Uh, except for dribbling. Like, he's, he's like, Lamelo is the uh, Cosmos, who's a great follow for draft stuff. But Cosmos basically says Lamelo Ball is the best, uh, like, dribbling prospect since Magic, right? Uh, like, he, and I agree with him. Like, he is just crazy with, like, some of the stuff he does in the behind the back passes is great. So I actually think this team is very suited to him because the difference between this and, say, Killian Hayes is Killian Hayes is nobody passed to. On this team, he has a bunch of guys he can pass to, particularly Gordon Hayward, right? So the trick with this team is, like, one, is Hayward, if Hayward is healthy, then I think the over is fairly easy for this team, right? But again, Hayward being healthy, you know, I'm, I'm a Celtics fan, so I know that Hayward being healthy is not necessarily, like, that much of, a, of an easy thing. Um, here, here's, here's, so th- this will be probably a difference of opinion. I'm an under and I'm an underplay here. And the reason, a, the reason I'm, why is because of the way gravity generally works for teams like this. So to me, the Hornets, they, they, uh, there's absolutely a way that they're competitive and, and you, they're the first team where I want to discuss the, the difference this year of the play in. It is entirely possible that the Pistons are close enough to that seven to 10 range where ownership general manager they want to push there so instead of trading off a few kind of fringy pieces at the deadline they just kind of keep guys they they don't do they don't do the sell-off it's possible entirely possible but i don't think their defense is good enough i think their offense will be fine when hayward is on the floor but i think that it will be shaky otherwise so it's it this isn't my this is probably my least confident play but they're and also like the 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 hornets Last year they were so deficient, and they're they're deeper now. Like this, this is a deeper team. Adding Gordon Hayward without having to really sacrifice much in particular really helps helps their depth. But remember, he has to stay healthy, and so their guard rotation. Like, yeah, they're one through three are fine, but their their fourth is a, like if it's Malik Monk, and we don't even know what his kind of deal is right now. So I I could see them going over. So maybe I, actually, you know what? I'm going to switch it to underfade. I'm, I'm going to I'm I'm changing yeah, I'm I, changing my own mind. Again, it, it, it's a weird spot. It's twenty six and a half. I agree with I one hundred percent agree with you that I feel like this team is going to be competitive for that final playoff spot. I think yeah. that like that that's what that's what switched me. It's like you thinking about the scenario the scenario where they're you know playing like a so normally when a team plays like a 30 win squad which is about where the in an 82 game season that's about where this over under is a team that plays like a 30 win team generally wins fewer than 30 games because they want to get a draft pick and you know the hornets have their own and all that but there's a there's a respectable chance that they're kind of let's say they're a 32 win team then they keep on pushing and then that kind of holds them holds them over shane's model darko everything except like basically i'm the only thing going over (laughs) and i'm going going over fade i'm like i i don't again i'm looking at this team and my gut tells me this is a better and i've watched i've already watched the preseason games they look like a much more fun team like the ball's popping the ball's moving like i think it's one of those teams that like they're gonna be fun they're gonna be like i'm going to be totally into like grabbing uh players who are playing against them and and for them in fantasy because i mean i think it's gonna be fun the ball's gonna move around points are gonna be scored uh, and I think they're going to be competitive late in the season. I think that this is an interesting. Not, granted, they have some frailty, which is why I don't go over play. But I'm comfortable being on the over side. So I'm thinking, a couple people say, like, yeah, I think these guys can win. You know, adjusted, it's going to be. And this is what I'm saying. 
they can win the same amount of games they won last. They won. They can win one more game than they won last year. Is basically what I'm saying. Right. That's really kind of what I'm saying, and I'm saying it. But I'm saying fade. I'm saying, I'm saying they're basically the same team they are last year, and I think they're going to be competitive. That's that's kind of what I'm saying. And then and I, Lamelo for rookie Lamelo for rookie of the year. Basically, I'm seeing it at four to one, and um, I would I would not play that, even though I'm as I said, Lamelo is number one in my class by by a margin because a I don't think he's going to start, and b yes. That's you know, guy, you know, ball, young ball handlers take time. And I think he's going to be incredibly inefficient as a scorer and his pat, like he'll have the highlights, like he'll have the highlights to win rookie of the year. He'll be, he'll have, you know, people talking, people excited about where this could be going, but I don't think that he will, that he will kind of have, that he will have enough on his belt to make the real case. Yeah, no, I agree with that. The, the trick with him is the same thing. I, I agree with that. He's just, he won't get enough usage and run because of like the depth of this team. And I think I think he's interesting because I think his shot can come in fairly fast, but it's still going to take a while for him to develop. I think he's going to be better. He's obviously he's he's one of those guys. He's going to be a better player at the end of the season than he is at the beginning. Sure. Right. And 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 again, I'm a big I'm a big fan. I'm like I, I was joking. You know, I I, I know I was, I was like the thing with him is I know how he's going to get his points right, and I know where his value is. It's kind of like his brother, or like even like his brother. You know, a discount value for his brother. His brother is still going to be a good defensive player who can do things and has good vision, compassable, right? He's just like he still kind of needs, he, and his shot has improved, right? But it's the same thing kind of here. Although here, I kind of feel like he has, like, because Lamelo has that dimension where he goes to the hoop, right? That kind of makes a difference, but he just won't get enough minutes. Yeah, I, I think that's a fair way of thinking about it. Um, we don't like we don't like uh, Southeast. No, we don't like. I was gonna say we don't we don't like the division on. No. Like, no. So, there, are, there are competent. There's at least one competent team in this division. So Danny's under on every team so far. I'm like, oh. this is like, I'm the same. Like, basically, we're. <laughs> oh, here's the here's the funny thing. That's not stopping. <laughs> Yeah, um, no, it's, I, yeah. So let's let's get to the, let's get to the Chicago Bulls. The Bulls last year were they uh, so they they had the difference where they 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 underperformed their point differential. They had the differential using cleaning the glass of a 32 win team over 82 games, but they won fewer than that. And whether we're calling it coincidentally or not, that's actually pretty much where their over under is for this year. Remember, they changed their coach. They now have Billy Donovan instead of Jim Boylan. There are a few personnel changes, but not a ton that's like truly dramatic. Um, though they, I would assume Donovan will use his will use these players differently than Jim Boylan did. Um, but so their over under on an eighty two game basis is is kind of like in the thirty two thirty three range. So if you wanted to go under, the Bulls would need to win thirty two or fewer. And if you want to go over, it's kind of a rounding error thing. But I would say thirty four and above, you could probably find it for thirty three. If you, if you want. they won about twenty eight games last year prorated, and yeah. their line is at like thirty two and a half to thirty three. So basically, either four and a half, like five, like basically five wins better. Do I think the Chicago Bulls are five win better than they were last season? Oh God! My answer is no, and and so it's interesting. I'm working on a collaborative piece right now with Darnell Mayberry, and I was so Jim Boylan gets a lot of crap, and he deserves almost all of it. But one thing yes. that he doesn't deserve a lot of crap for is they ran this hyper-aggressive scheme basically built on getting turnovers. And that is, you know, kind of a weird approach, and it was, you know, led to teams kind of being able to counter it and everything else. But the Bulls' defensive talent last year was terrible. And so going for this kind of like high-variance conversion kind of idea, I think actually made sense. Like if you're starting Zach Levine and you're Lowry Markinen and, you know, remember they had nobody at the three last year. Yeah, Porter... Otto Porter got hurt was the other problem. Like for that team, like that team, 
what Boylan was doing was working when he had Porter and Robin Lopez. Like he had a brief stretch, like not this year, the year before we had Lopez and Porter. And when he had both of those guys anchoring the defense, that team was a problem. Right, they were basically competitive against like even the better yeah. teams. And now but, they don't have Dunn, who was an important part of that too. Right, right, and 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 uh, uh, do we think? The, I mean, Porter's like having a like a defensive Maybach parked on a on kind of like a like a shitty shitty house. Do we think Porter's staying with this team, or do they move him? I so Porter the the challenge there is he makes too much money, and so I think that there will be teams That's there will there will be teams lining up around the block if he were healthy and bought out, but. The, no, the way, he has a he has a one year. He's basically on the last year. He's an expiring, right? Yeah, exactly. But that's why. But but so the challenge is matching salary and theoretically, if Chicago were willing to take on, you know, if you use him as a vessel to take on a multi year guy, you know, so like somebody who's making twenty million a year for a couple of years, and then the Bulls get a first round pick out of it. I don't really see that deal happening right now. So Porter, I think that he could be somewhere else. I also don't know if he's going to be healthy I enough think- to build his value. You know. I think as an expiring deal, he's really interesting. He's really, really interesting because I do think that he's a guy where, like, if I'm a contender and I need, like, like let's let's throw a hypothetical. If you're the Warriors and you can get Porter for the for the for the low low price of Andrew Wiggins at a pick, would you do it? I mean, it depends on what the pick is, but but yeah, probably. I mean, I think of Wiggins as a negative value contract, and Porter, he's expiring, so that part doesn't matter as much. And Porter, and maybe and Porter, with, maybe with bird rights, you with bird rights, you can bring him yeah. back if things work out well. If Wiseman is is okay, and you're the the Warriors, and you're like, okay, if, if Wiseman's okay, I needed a guy who could, like if I get a defender who can actually make threes, which is what Porter does, uh, it kind of opens up the floor for me. So yeah, definitely, I would de- definitely do that. Like I, so there are a lot of situations where I could totally see. Porter being valuable and really the reason we're having this combo right now is well it kind of plays into like what are the like are the bull are the the bulls are a candidate to like just not give too much of a shit at the end of the season part of my french but they they, um, they are and they are not so i mean the argument that they the argument that they'll kind of push their foot off the gas pedal is they have a lot of security remember they hired a new general manager and a new head coach so that means they're not going to get fired this year if the if the team does poorly and i, I think i think they'd love kate they would love K. This is a team that would sure. love K. I mean, I he think- he would be he would be a really nice a really nice player for, there- them, to, for them to add. Um, the, you know, even honestly, the Bulls. What's what's I find so fascinating about them is they could incorporate a like a really high level talent at any position because while they have guys that I like and guys that their organization likes, none of the like Wendell Wendell um, Carter Jr. not not like I was, was going to say that's the thing that's that's a new organization and they they've been sneakily been mentioned in a bunch of the trade rumors and a bunch right. of Right. Like I, I could see yeah so, I think, I think and that's every, a part of why I'm going under here is is the idea yeah, that so every player this team is on the market basically So like Arturis Karnasovas has the authority to you know to to remake this team and odds are if they make an in-season trade, it's going to make them weaker in the short term. Like that's just the way this yeah, generally works. They, like they, I think they, that they want to keep the pick and try to like get yeah. whoever they get, pair them with a guy that can get into the draft. However, <laughs> as presently constructed, I could see I could see the Bulls going going over this. I mean, they're, I think they're going to be a totally competent team. Like you know, they have they have decent talent. Their depth is fine. It's not great, but it's fine. You know, they have like they have Sadoransky. They have there's, there's no way. This- no way this there's no way this team is five wins better than last year. Like Well but if you but if you look on differential rather than how many games they actually won, they don't they have to be like one game better than they were last year. And I think that I think that they'll be modestly better coach. I think Donovan is, is largely overrated as a coach. 
coach. I mean, the fact the the him being in the t- like on the coaches coach of the year ballot being, or I think he might have even been on the media ballot being number two was completely ridiculous. The reason the Thunder exceeded expectations was because they didn't trade their guys and that they had they had a good roster that everybody thought well, they were going to. Chris Paul is freaking, freaking great. Yeah, I mean, and Chris Paul was healthy, and so like yeah, that that's great great coaching by Billy Donovan to make sure that Chris Paul is healthy and 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 on the floor. But anyway. But still, are we, both, are we both under on this team? I'm an under fade. Um, but yeah, I, I am I, under. I'm trying to decide whether I'm an under player and under fade on this team. Um, and I will mention, so just briefly, I like Patrick Williams. I think that Patrick Williams, there's a yeah. very distinct chance that he will be starting soon, but even more likely by the end of the year. But Patrick Williams, the rookie of the year case, is basically a weaker Isaac Okoro case, which is lower usage guy on the perimeter who might show some flashes. But the difference between Okoro and Williams is Okoro's, I think he's going to start the season as a starter. And Patrick Williams, there are more established guys, like mouths to feed, you know, like, I mean, with Zach Levine and depending on what happens with Markinen, I don't know where Williams steps in, whether he steps in the four or the five. So like, I, I like Patrick Williams. I had, I, I think that he will, I think that he will be a good player, but I also, I'm now realizing I had, I had Halliburton five on my board. I didn't have him four cause I, had, oh no, wait, did I have, Hall- oh no, I had Halliburton over Pat Williams anyway. Um, but, but so I think that Williams I, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna foreclose on the possibility. It just I'm, seems a little bit unlikely to me. I'm so confused by this line. Um, I, I know I'm under. God, twenty eight. Like under twenty nine, which would be under thirty three. Well, yeah, see, I'm gonna see. But, here, but here's see, here's the thing. Here's the, the reason I'm under fade is it's again. Gonna, it's about the play in. Okay. Like, could they be? Could they be one or a few games out of the play in and have Jerry Reinsdorf be like, I want to be in the play in? Yes, absolutely. I think yeah, but I think the problem is like I think that like guys are gonna want out. Like I think I think Porter wants out, and like there's, like I think I think this this I think that this is a season where like if I'm the Bulls, I'm basically blowing it up. I'm like looking to trade. I'm looking to get assets. This is these aren't my guys. If I'm the GM, like the only guy who's my guy is Pat Williams. Like everybody else is expendable, and like Porter as an expiring has real value. For you to go out and like get some assets, I think. In the, I think here's the thing: like when we get to the top of the league, there's really the Lakers are worse, and we'll, we'll talk about that. But the Lakers are, wor- are are in a worse position to win. I don't trust the, the Clippers. So I think last year was wide open, but this year is even more wide open. So a player like Otto Porter is the guy who can actually swing the title. I think. Like if you're a team that's on the edge and you need a guy like Porter's healthy, like say if you're Dallas, is like putting together like a trade package where you don't trade any principal pieces to bring him in to add an additional defender. If you're Denver, like so he has real value because there's a there's a, more than a few teams that like a, a wing defender who can make threes would be a really good piece. Like again, I mentioned Denver. Denver need, like Denver doesn't have anybody. If you can, can if you can get to the matching salary for him, yeah, I think there yes. could be teams that Porter that Porter makes better and so yeah that's 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 worth worth thinking about um I think I think but, we... but I'm gonna say like my margin on the my margin on the Bulls is race of thin and really kind of like it, you know the, the little tweak on this season I haven't mentioned before is like uh, most of the sites are saying that like the teams have to get to 70 games right so if there are suspensions and games that aren't played then you basically it's almost like it's a freebie and, well, and it's, it's, it's useful to talk about the Bulls considering the reporting that a bunch of their guys aren't going to be playing in their next couple preseason camps so we'll have to see yeah yes yeah so um so and we know that the COVID basically kind of like the guys who came back from it are not necessarily in the best shape so we've seen yeah. that before like yeah. through it's Russell Westbrook 
Let's um, let's jump to like, let's jump like to what Patrick Williams for rookie of the year. I again, I think it's I think it's kind of a weaker case than Okoro. I don't think he'll you know Williams. He did a little bit more with his ball in the hand and with the ball in his hands than I expected in college and then in the in yeah, the early NBA. Like, but he's not. I don't think he's going to have the usage. Yeah, unless they completely blow up the team and then you can kind of revisit. Like if they blow if they blow up the team, then yes, Patrick Williams's orders are going to be interesting. But they'd but have to just, blow it up really early. Like that's the challenge. Well, like if well, they do it if they do it halfway through, then he's not going to have. Yeah, you come back to the Patrick Williams Rookie of the Year odd later in the year. Right? Yeah. Like, yeah. Let's move to the Orlando Magic. Uh, oh, God. The Magic, Magic last year, um, their point differential was that of a 40-and-a-half 40, 40 win team on an 82-game slate. They are losing Jonathan Isaac for the year. They lost DJ Augustine. Same coaching staff, same a lot of stuff. Um, but the, the over-under lines, again, prorated for 82 games. They would need to win 34 to go under, and you would need to win 30, and they would win have to win 36. There's actually a split here if you want to go over. That's or is it the? Am I reading it the opposite way? Um, so you could get you could go 30. They could go 35 and under, and you could cash if you found the right place in 35 and over, and and win and yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, pretty much. Yeah, okay, I mean, like, so I, I apologize. There are a few of the other ones that are slightly nuanced off that, but anyway, the same, there has there isn't one of those that would change the line for me. Yeah, there's there's some there's some what what Danny means is like sometimes it's good to shop around, and in the case of the Magic, there's differences between so you can get. The, you can get you can get a number of thirty and a half, and you can get a number of thirty one and a half. And this is I'm and I haven't mentioned this before. I'm using uh, DraftKings, FanDuel. Uh, uh, I'm looking at the Action Network. I'm also using it like PointsBet. So I am looking at US only books, right? <clears throat> and you can get you can get a like a like. So it, this is important because if you if you can bet the over at thirty and a half, right? Why would you bet? the over at 31 and a half so go find the book that has the best price for this yeah absolutely um, um so- the magic won 30 the magic won the equivalent of 37 games this last year and we are with the line is set at basically 34 and a half to 36 basically is where it's sitting so it's basically saying that the magic the line is basically saying that it thinks the magic are about a game and a game and a half worse and do i agree with that based on the change in talent i'm gonna say yeah probably right I mean, so one thing to remember is last. So yes, Jonathan Isaac, who you and I believe both love, is going yeah. to be is going to be out I for this. Ent- I love I love him as a player. Yes, Let's that clear. Isaac is going to be out this entire year. However, Jonathan Isaac only played in thirty four games last year, so it is not yeah. like they are losing a guy who was there all the time. However, and this is something that I was I, that when I was kind of like working through the roster and everything like that is the magic are you know after the jokes about them drafting forwards forever and all that kind of stuff um and these these long guys Jeff Weltman who used to be with the bucks is now their general has been their general manager now for a few years or their key decision maker for a few years now I can't remember his actually I think he's president of basketball operations there anyway he's the decider um with Isaac out and we don't know exactly what's going on with Alfaruk Aminu their forward depth is actually pretty weak and yeah. and so so with the concern for me with the magic is they have Pretty, I would say, pretty weak offense personnel. Now, Fournier and Vooch are are both talented, but they, yeah. you know, Markel Fultz is and Markel Fultz is a transition dynamo, but he's not. A, I don't really love him as a half court creator. But do we think do we think Fultz continues to improve? Yes. Oh yeah. I think I think that he'll. But will it be dramatic? I, I don't know. I think that my idea is that Fultz will eventually be like a totally passable starting point guard, like not not a not a top ten guy maybe top 15 but more like you know somewhere yeah, in the 20 to 30 range and that's 
that's not terrible. You know, like that's that's unless the shot, use- unless his shot comes in. Like if his shot comes back in, then, oh yeah. yeah. I mean, he was. I had him number one in that class, and it wasn't particularly close because he had a pull up jump shot, and now that pull up that pull up jump shot has been no more. But so let's think about th- this concept. So Orlando last year. They were 20th in offensive rating, well, filtering out garbage time. They were 10th in defensive rating. I think that their offense, I think that 20th is, that feels about right. I mean, they have some good players in their starting lineup. They have Terrence Ross probably coming off the bench. Maybe he'll start. We'll have to kind of kind of see how this rotation works. Um, and the, But their, I think their bench offense is going to be really rough. I mean, Cole Anthony could maybe do something as a rookie. MCW isn't that kind of guy as an offensive player. And so it's going to be a lot on Terrence Ross's shoulders and a few others, but I think their defense is going to take another step back. You know, they they had it, it does seem like as good as Steve Clifford can. Steve Clifford does certain things that I think help raise the floor of a team's defense, but I think their personnel is just going to be a lot worse this year. And it's harder to fix personnel. So yeah, this is by the, by the way, this is a good line. By the way, oh, it's a very good line. I mean, this is like this, this is one of the like so the models the model spread for this team is three three wins. And basically, they're all around where the line is set. Right. right. So basically, Shane Young is around that RP, R, R, like Rapham, Darko, and like, like everything is around this line. And I see exactly why it is a tough line. It's, it's, yeah. it's very close. And, and again, the, the play in might potentially change this. Um, it maybe, maybe because now being the nine or the 10 seed is more, is more appetizing than it was before, especially because you can actually like get into the playoffs. Uh, I, I so I'm I think that that kind of all speaks to why why this is a fade, but I'm an under fade just because th- I think there are more ways that this goes wrong than right. You think there there aren't that many true breakout players. I mean, we saw Vooch really have a nice eighteen nineteen year. And he was totally fine last year, and you know Fournier. Like there are a lot of known I mean, commodities. I, I'm looking at like the Darko kind of splits for these guys, and we've got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight kind of. Players that you know are either plus or close to like basically you know they're basically NBA starters. There's a bunch of guys who are NBA starters on this team, right? Sure. And the look, you know, I mean, like you know, Bushevik, Aminu, even Carter Williams can be like a seventh guy. Aaron Gordon, Markel Fultz, James Ennis, Ross, Fournier, right? The thing with this is, as you said, like the 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 best player on the team is Bushevik, right? And there's weakness on the wing in terms of scoring because they don't have that second player. Like having Isaac raise their level because that means they had like two really good players. Like they had Bushevik and, and, and Isaac made them more flexible well, on the and, wing. And, well, and also it, on top of that, Isaac gave, basically he kind of patched up some of their defensive flaws. Yes, yes. And yes. and they and and you brought up Aminu. Like if a healthy, I would you know Aminu could be a real help to the rotation. Yes. Maybe as a starter, maybe as but we don't know. Like I mean, his knee stuff is still is still persistent. The, the trick, the trick with this team is like, so do we think they're? I mean, if they're going to move anybody, it's going to be Aaron Gordon, right? I would think so. Well, yeah, and so that's the other thing. It's like, so for if Orlando was to make an in-season trade, I think it would be a trade that they got rid of guys and got worse. Whether that's Aaron Gordon or Evan Fournier, like yeah. you know, it's it's something like that. It's it's basically these guys that are you know that are, are aren't bad players in any way, shape, or form, but could be more beneficial on another team. Maybe even Vooch. I mean, it's it's in some ways it sucks for Orlando that Vlade is no longer running the the Kings because I kept on thinking Vooch to the Kings was going to happen and then it didn't. Um, and incidentally, like Vooch and Bagley isn't great, but I could I could have totally seen that happening. Anyway, um, so yeah, so that, that's kind Gordon's of actually, Gordon's actually on a really nice contract right now. Yeah. Eighteen and sixteen is what he is. Like it's it's oh it's it's, it's a shrinking contact too. I think that he's. He's the the player who would least surprise me if he's traded. I think that he's and he's a guy who I think that 
um, would actually be better off on another team, probably. But you're right. I mean, I mean, even if like does moving Gordon make them worse? Yes. I mean, they're probably trading Gordon for a player who is older, like, they, either they, they either has a worse contract and is like or is like prospect type of kind of stuff. Yeah, some like like Demar Derozan or something. Sure. Right. God yeah. and Gordon and Gordon Spurs. Come on, man. Ah, that would actually um, be kind of, and you know, and Orlando doesn't have a great rookie of the year. You know, like I, Cole Anthony's no. fine, but I don't think he's going to have the reps or the okay, opportunity. So and Chumo KK is not going to win rookie of the year. Where are you on this team? Oh, in terms of over under, under yeah, fade, under fade. I'm actually like the easiest. Uh, this is the easiest fade for me on the board. Oh, basically. absolutely. Because it's just this line is just so right. And I apologize anybody who's listening. I apologize for the helicopter. You know, it's it's COVID. People are like. You know, it's but whatever. Uh, if it can hear the helicopter, um, I am I under or over on this team? God, I'm gonna go uh, like actually like to make a, to make a line. Like Shane Young's model is very under on this team. Uh, Darko is very under on this team. Um, uh, Darko Darko's I, line is pretty. I th- Darko's line is pretty is pretty much on the line, right? Though, right? Yeah, yeah. It's like thir- like yeah, thirty and a half versus yeah. yeah. So I was reading the wrong numbers. Like thirty and a half is exactly on the line. Uh, Shane, uh, Shane's a little lower. I'm under, but I'm fade because uh, is, is this really a fade for me? Um, yeah, I mean, like the problem is like oh, they could, lot- they could easily be a 40 win team, like like 82 game yeah. season per. Like yeah, I mean, they could totally be competent. It's I don't expect it, but it's there. It's totally plausible. Clifford's a totally fine coach. They know the scheme. There's a lot of continuity. But yeah, uh, I could I could see the so. I mean, like, where would you where would you where would you take the under on this team? What what the, where what would I line? play it? Yeah. Uh, so if we're prorating it to 82, if it was at like 38, yes, I well, think I think it was if it was with 37, I take it. Yeah, maybe if it was basically like because I'm saying like, the, do I think this team is worse than last year? Yes. So would I take would I take the under if it was at 37? And 37 would be like right now it's 34 and a half. So. I need it to be at 32 and a half, 33. If I was, if, if I could get the under at 33, then I would take it, right? But I'm not gonna, I don't feel comfortable playing it because, as I said, there's a bunch of competent, like, there's a bunch of, like, there's, there's a bunch of guys on this team that would play on a good team, right? Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, like, the Magic two years ago weren't, weren't particularly bad. They were very dispiriting towards the end of last year yes. when the wheels fell off the wagon, but they still made the playoffs. But it would, yeah. I mean, I, I think that's fine. Uh, let's move on to the Wizards. Actually, let, let let me ask a question about the sure. team. So, like, we're looking at the Magic. Their division odds are fourteen to one. No, right? No, Miami is in their division. Like, the, agree. Orlando, it's, Orlando could be a five hundred team easily. I don't think they can be like a five to ten games over five hundred easily. And I don't think the Heat right. will finish worse. If I if Isaac was here, this would be a different conversation. Yeah, but the no. the, the odds would also be. Worse, the line would so. be line would be way different, and like you you'd probably get them at five to one. Yeah, I think. They they really are going to miss Isaac, right? Like, oh yeah. Uh, and, he, he and, just, and, I mean, even I think Isaac's, you know, sometimes his possession by possession stuff can be as much as I hype him can be a little bit there. But what Isaac does is he he fundamentally raises their ceiling. You know, like he's a really good defensive player who can kind of put a little bit there offensively, and those players are really hard to replace. I will say I'll say this, and I want to be clear: like uh, people who are used to me being more aggressive on the over unders, because I'm generally more aggressive than Danny on the stuff. This particular year, I'm very hesitant because of what I mentioned, because the schedule's so weird that I don't know. Well, and, and there's, like, a, lot of, there's, there's yeah. a lot of volatility related to COVID. Yeah. Like, you know, you could see, like, there, there, are, there are going to be circumstances where, like, well, a the team— NBA player, the NBA players are going to be among the first who are going to get the vaccines. I'm not too worried true. about that. that. That could be a possibility. Anyway, let's, but, let's, let's jump to the Wizards. Yeah. The Wizards, fundamentally, you know, like, a somewhat different team than last year. They had the 
a pro rating for 82 games. They had a 20, they had the point differential of about a 28 win team. And they added Russell Westbrook. They hopefully will. They added Robin Lopez, who looks like is going to come off the bench. I'm going to talk about that plenty in a second. Um, but and, and so Vegas really likes the new additions because if you're prorating it again for 82 games, the line is 38.15, which means that if they go 30, Vegas is setting the line at the at the Wizards being 10 games better than last. 10 games better. So if it's so basically if if they win 38 or fewer, you can cash on the under. If they win 39 or more, you can cash on the this over. Is- this is an underplay. This is one of my best. This is one of my best bets. Ooh, I was gonna say. Ooh, I, like see, here's the thing on this team, right? So, um, God, I think Russell Westbrook is now underrated. Um, oh, I fully, I fully agree. I think, and especially because Westbrook was so bad in the bubble, and there will be like I think yeah, he, had, he had COVID before no, the bubble. So exactly. Basically- no, he was, and he was hurt. He was injured and had COVID. Like I think that Russell Westbrook, I think that granted the ecosystem is going to be less favorable than it was in Houston for you know he's not D'Antoni's not his coach anymore it's Scott Brooks again, but and trust me we'll talk about Scott Brooks yeah but but Russell Westbrook like oh yeah if if they hadn't made the Wall Westbrook trade I mean I think I think that makes a swing of you know probably four to five games for them it's just that that four to five games doesn't make them a thirty eight win team it makes them like a thirty four win team. So in essence, you're saying you're saying that you're like, uh, oh god, god, god. I think I think if this was a season where, but like where the tanking rules weren't what they were, I would be more aggressive with this team because I think here's the thing. I think I think this team will definitely be be in the playoff race. And I think and, they, and Ted Leonsis wants that. Like I think Ted Leonsis would yes. rather Ted and Leonsis think, would think, rather finish ninth than thirteenth. I, I think East. this team is a team that could like basically get over 500 just because they're going to be playing a bunch of shitty teams that like like on a typical season they would be playing they would be getting over to 500 because they're playing a bunch of games against shitty teams in the southeast late in the season who just don't give a crap right well, and, yeah and- th- I think that's possible but I also you know I don't think those teams that but here here's here's the argument for me for playing the Wizards under they were abysmal defensively last year they were you know they, by the way you know who darko has as their best defensive player this year the best two only two they have only two plus defensive players bonga yes that's one and lopez no bertans oh what <laughs> yes i mean well, he's not like you gotta remember you gotta remember the rebounds kind of like plays okay. into it a little but, bit but like, but so but so here's here's the reason I think, I think, here's I think, the reason honestly, i'm in, here's the reason i'm an under i think i think lopez is probably a plus defensive player who's getting like and i know i know lopez is a plus defensive player who's basically getting uh, he's getting rated low because he's he, getting the on-off shaft because of the Bucks. Yeah, like I he think that's he's it's the reverse DiVincenzo. We'll get there. Yeah, because but, he was playing on the he's playing on the Bucks where like the Bucks like the like the top line. The Bucks starting like, five was monstrous. And so yeah, yeah, when you when you any, anyway, so and we could have talked about that with Jeremy Grant. I have the theory. Like, is Lopez like, gonna be the starter for them? No, so here's the whole point. So the Wizards defense was terrible last year. They were worse in the league, they were kind of battling with Cleveland for the worst defense in the entire NBA last year. And you go, oh, well, they added a couple. I mean, Russell Westbrook is better defensively than the point guard <laughs> they, were, they were playing last year. He's, he's overrated there, but he's still doing that. But it looks like Scott Brooks's intention is to start Thomas Bryant, to start Rui Hashimura, and then to start one of their young dudes at the three. So they have better defensive personnel, but they're probably not going to play that better defensive personnel. And their offense will be good. I think their offense will be totally fine. Probably top half. Maybe not top 10. We'll kind of see. I don't know. I mean, I think that, I mean, obviously the most obvious play for me for looking at this roster is like, no, you want to play Russell, you want to play Russell and Rolo. 
and you Russell Rolo and Davis Bertans. Like, and well, no, Berton, well, Bertans. You want what you want to do with Bertans is you want to like maximize the minutes where Bertans isn't playing with. Like, you want to get them both to thirty six, but you want to get like Bertans out there when, when Bertans and, and and Beal out there in shifts like they used to do for for OKC because I think you don't necessarily want both of them on at the same time. I mean, like, you, if you can get Bertans against the second unit with, like, Beal, then you're getting you're getting maximal value in terms of... Sure, that's fine, too. But what I'm but, saying is, like, to I mean, me, but, the, but guy, the guys that you're trying to maximize, to me, if you're if you are... In terms of if the goal is to win games in the 2020-21 season as the Wizards, the four guys that you want to play the most minutes are Bradley Beal, Russell Westbrook, Robin Lopez, and Davis Bertans. And as of yes, right now, yes. two of those four guys are not starting. Well, I know, but, but, but Bertans is playing the second unit hard role in the, in the, in the offense. So Bertans is going to get to 35, 36 minutes. I, I see. I think he's going to be. I don't. I think it's too hard to get there if you're not starting, even if you're closing. Like because you because remember, a coach like Scotty Brooks isn't going to do the like he's going to come in four minutes and he's going to come in six or seven. In each half. That's a good, yeah, like it's, it's too hard. It's Davis Bertans is if he doesn't start, is going to be underplayed because it is too hard. Basic kind of basic math. It's too hard to play a guy off the bench a lot of minutes because they there this there's a ceiling on it. God, am I? Am I I'm not. You know, here's the thing. I'm not going to go against like so. Shane Young's model, Darko. Uh, PM48 and you are all underplay on this, so fuck it, I'm going underplay. I can't like I can't be less aggressive than you guys. I mean, you uh, can be. Um, and, I mean, and no, no, no. no I I, I, I mean, I understand it. Uh, keep in mind, I still think there's a possibility they move some guys, but well, and that, they're, the Wizards are another team. That's actually another part of my argument is that if they make a move, it's going to make them worse. Like it's going to be finding a new home for Bradley Beal or something like they're. I don't think the Wizards. They, there isn't really much that they can cash in. Like they're not. They're not exactly an asset rich team because they're unless their young guys look good. But if their young guys look good, then they'll be keeping them. I also yeah, don't think they're. Why are you on Roy? Not a huge fan. Um, I think that. Me neither. I think that he is so. What intrigues me about Hashimura is that he I, he is currently like a, a model of an inefficient player, but I don't think he has to be that guy. I think that his jump shot isn't terrible. I think that you could stretch that out, but I think that his defense and, he, and it's like his physical tools aren't terrible defensively, but he just hasn't really done it yet. What do you, oh by the way, what do you think of their draft? Uh, Avdia, so Avdia was taken at about a reasonable spot, except that there were players I liked a lot more than him that were still on the board. So like, no, I wouldn't, I mean, Halliburton would have made more sense there. Uh, there are a few others, at least they did take Obi Toppin, but, and, but, and, uh, and, and and a Kongwu was off the board. Like I thought, and I think they would have taken a Kongwu if he was still there. I actually made the the line that like it's uh, for Obi Toppin, like the next five guys, I would, I would take that the next five guys drafted after him would all be clearly better than him in two years. Yeah, I mean, Toppin, Toppin's, it, it, is, it is a real challenge. Like, I, I, And he's going to put up highlights, and I like the way he plays with force and transition. But, and, and there's, so there's an interesting point with Toppin, which is he, I think that he is a much worse fit for a good team than a bad team. And the Knicks aren't going to be a good team for a while, so it's not that big a deal. <laughs> You know, like it obviously matters because you're drafting. You're not drafting because of their fit on a bad team because that's the whole point is that you want to be good. Um, And so, yeah, I I, I think. But so Avdia, I think that if he ends up getting the starting spot, which is possible, he, you know, he could get some, he could get some. But again, the mouths to feed, we we talked about this with Okoro and they have, you know, they have Sexton and Garland and Kevin Love. Russell Westbrook. (laughs) 
and Bradley Beal, if he starts, are going to be real big mouths to feed. And and I don't I don't think if he co- if Avdia comes off the bench that he'll have enough. Who would you like? Okay, so given the roster that they have, like um, they had made the no, they they had made the Russell Westbrook trade, but they were talking about it apparently. So given the roster that you have, who would have you who would you have taken at nine for the Wiz? Halbert. Yeah. No, I, I, I but I think yeah. But that's simple. Like, uh, I mean, so to be the third, their third. And guard, I see. And I didn't. Yeah. I haven't seen film. Right. Like, if so I had what? watched Vassell, or if I had watched. No, I agree. I agree with how or Vassell. Because... If I had watched Vassell, if I had watched, um, who's the other? There's the the Boston's guy. Ernesto. Um, Nesmith. Yeah. So but Nesmith. The... Nesmith. Nesmith is hurt. So like yeah. he's like he's not. But yeah, I think Halliburton would be the best because if you need some, if you want somebody to play next to Beal and Westbrook, having somebody who can handle the ball and make defensive plays is great. Somebody who can play on, somebody who can play off, who competes defensively. Yeah, it would it would make a good fit. And I mean, Halliburton is such such a like like people are like like and I understand like people are watching the games like watching him play and like why they it it, re- it reminds that. me a little bit of. So, but OG Ananobi was hurt, like at Indiana, which is part of the reason that he fell. And like, I had this stretch where it was just like, "Why didn't you draft OG Ananobi? Why didn't you draft I mean, OG Ananobi? Why didn't you draft OG Ananobi?" And I think that it'll kind of be the same. The only where you can make an argument is Anthony Edwards, and I'm not a big fan of Anthony Edwards, but Anthony Edwards is 18, right? Oh, sure. And like so, I had, I had Edwards over over Halberd. I because his well, he, I, like his ceiling is a lot higher. Yeah, but if I'm I, his like, floor is lower, way lower. Right, that's that's a trick. But like Halberton, like Halberton's like floor is like Halberton's floor is like Danny Green. Like, it's like, like oh, and I'd say it's well, Green. I'd say it's lower than that. I'd say it's like competent NBA, like maybe like George Hill, like George Hill now, yeah, not George Hill, the, prime George Hill. That's fine, but his ceiling is like super high though. Eh, like, it's I, I I would be surprised to see Halberton make an All NBA team, but like he could be a top ten starter at his position, sure. Right, right. and, and, and that's, that's that's very good. Right. Uh, and I agree with like and Anthony Edwards has a higher ceiling, even though like he wasn't that great in college, but he's eighteen yeah. and he wasn't playing on a great team. He was playing on Georgia. So Okay, and, and um, so for and the anyway. Wizards, obviously if you're if I'm if I'm an underplay, then I don't okay, like so their division odds or anything. Play, uh, we don't like the division odds, we don't like the rookie of the year odds for the Wizards. Let's move on. Atlanta Hawks. So the Hawks last year oh, had oh. the had the point differential of a twenty three win team, which is actually under they actually um overperformed their point differential. That's how bad yeah. the Hawks were last year. They added Danilo Gallinari. Let me, let, me, let, me, let, me, let me say this. Like right now, Vegas has the line. So they, they, they prorated 24.5. The line is set up at 39.5 to 40.5. So Vegas, think, Vegas has the line set at 16 wins over what they won last year. So let's say that like – And like, here's the funny <laughs> thing. I think that's totally plausible. I, I think it's – remember, I'm saying plausible, not probable, and there's a very specific reason for that. So <laughs> the, the, the Hawks had – they had a couple of fatal flaws last year, and the one that I harped on and the reason I picked their under and cashed last year was depth. They had they didn't have anybody who I trusted to run the offense to handle the ball when Trey Young was out. They have fixed that flaw maybe too aggressively because now they just have they have a ton of guys they could create on this team. Whether we're talking Rondo or Bogdanovich, they've been doing some fun stuff with Bogdanovich and Herder when Trey Young's been off the floor. Those groups have scored pretty well. Uh, Gallinari obviously can do a lot with the ball in his hands. So they've solved that problem. The other problem was their defense was horrendous, and they did not solve that problem at all. Now, well, sorry, not that they didn't solve it at all. They because because Clint Capella didn't play for them last year. He was already on the roster for at the deadline, but they added him. They added Nyeko Kongwu. Um, but 
also the the Hawks are going to be giving more minutes to players who are limited defensively, like Gallo. Bogdanovich isn't bad; he competes, yeah, um, but only, also they're... they'll they'll be marginalizing. You know, some of the other Chris Dunn. You know, he'll defend, but he's not going to be. We'll see how much he actually plays. They um, have they have they have two plus defensive players, and Capella and Dunn are really their two yeah. plus defensive players. So so yeah, basically, they're like, going to be very they're going to be very good yeah. offensively. They're going to be pretty bad defensively, and they'll be deep enough to withstand stuff that they weren't last year. So like. The, so basically, the over under line is set at um, it's set, if we're extrapolating to an eighty two game season. If they won forty or fewer, you could cash on the under. If they won forty or more, you could cash on the over. And it is totally plausible to me that they're a five hundred team, a team that is really good on offense, that is top ten on offense, and is somewhere around twentieth on defense, which would be a significant improvement from where they were last year. So I'm not saying that's for sure. Obviously, that. You know, a team that's top, you know, like top 10 on offense and 20th on defense, that team is generally going to be like around 500. So there's a big uh, swing. Uh, this team has a big swing uh, between the projections. Um, yes. Like nine, 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 it's a nine win swing um, or 10 win if you prorate to like uh, 82 games. And like Darko is the lowest on this team at 32.2. And uh, like my box score metric is the highest at 42. Um, and Shane's, worth noting, uh, those are on the abbreviated season totals. Yeah, this is this is at eighty. No, this is eighty-two games. Oh, it's eighty-two. Like, okay. If Shane has it at thirty-nine, which means like he's basically on the line. <laughs> so, um, just looking at it and going like, yeah, I mean, like mostly lent- turning towards the under. I I see what you say when you say that they could win. Uh, like like the equal like thirty-six games would be the uh, equivalent for the season. Uh, they could go basically five hundred. Um, I'm gonna lean towards the under on this team. Same. I'm under um, fate. Like I, what I was saying is, I think this line. Like I know there have been a lot of people that have been saying this good, line is good, ridiculous. It's a, good, it's a very good line. It's a very I think good it's line. it is a, not a ridiculous one, but this goes back to the to the basic truth that I like to talk about, which is that it's it, it's easier to go under than to go over because if a good player gets hurt. Like, yeah, it's line, more it's more common that a good player gets hurt well, than that a bat like somebody really exceeds expectations. It happens. By, it happens all the time. By the way, by the way, the books set the lines so that there are more wins on the lines than there are actually wins in real life. So generally, yeah, it's, it's for optimism and stuff. Over a very large sample, betting the under is the correct play, right? Because people also like to bet the overs. So generally, I know that it's, that it's way more play. fun to bet the over. Yeah, I think I think here's except the thing. for I the Knicks. I would say that they're where the line is set. They're probably thirty percent to go over, right? It's a it's a well set line. Yeah, I would say yeah, I would say between thirty and forty percent. I mean, cause, because, but but here's the other here's the other thing. So I have these two rules. Who are involved, like Dallano Garanari, like is not a guy who stays healthy. Uh, Collins has been eh. Um, but you know, there's Capella who's gotten hurt before. I mean, there's but guys, like, but the they're deep at all those positions. You know, if Gallo gets hurt, they can throw guys in. I, and like, I think that DeAndre Cameron. Hunter. I'm not the biggest fan of DeAndre Hunter, but he can stop gap. Sure. Ugh. I'm not. I'm like. I'm not a real fan of like the guys they brought in through the draft. On oh, I like Reddish. I think that Reddish can be. I don't think he's going to be a star, but I think he could be a good NBA player. What do you think about uh, Okungu? Like him, don't love him. I think that I think that he was total, a totally reasonable pick for where they where they got him. Um, I think that a Kongwu, it's going to take him some time. I mean, I've I've interviewed, I've spent more time like long form interviews of young NBA big men than anything. Like I've I've did a long form one with Damian Jones. I did a long form one with Festus Azili and a few other guys. And what all of them say, and remember, Azili was a four year college guy. What they say is being a big man is a harder trans is a really hard transition because the communication and everything else is so different. And so Okongwu is a defense first big. 
I think it's going to take him a little bit. To, I think he'll be fine this year, but I think that it's going to take him a little bit, and that's fine because yeah. because they got Capella above him. No, I agree with that. So um, so I'm I'm under fade with them, and and the other big reason why I'm under and not over is it's so much. So if we're extrapolating this to an 82 game season, this line, you know, it's it's about 40 wins. It's a lot easier for me to see Atlanta as a 35 win team than as a 45 win team. So like because you kind of think five games over, five games under. And so what generally when that happens, I should lean towards the under. It's like, it's easier. They're like, if Trey Young misses time, if they just, the defense is just so unbelievably bad that they can't, that they can't overcome it. And maybe the offense is just a little bit worse than I think. Like that's, that's totally possible. I think this line is set aggressively high. If you wanted to go somewhere, it would be on it. Like God, I am right now. I am like, I only have one overplay. (laughs) You are under on everything. I have been under on every single team so far. Um, and no. for rookie of the year, a no. he just doesn't have the right profile, especially because he's he's not going to be starting. No, there's this team. This team just has too many people to get the ball yeah. before him. It's it's it's, it's, it's even if you good. like a Kongwu, you can think that he's going to be a good player in the future. He's not going. I don't think he's going to win rookie he's, of the year. He's not going to. He's not going to get the reps. It's not yeah. even close to it on this. Yeah. Team. Um. Okay. So the and and for and, and friend for them the division odds and all that. No, I mean they, there's no. A, there's a strong team in the div- there's a strong team in the division. Um. And so like it's it, it would be it would be too difficult. But let's move to the Indiana well, Pacers. Think, who think, who do you think has the better record? The Magic, the Wizards, or the Hawks? Hawks. But the the Wizards absolutely could, and the Magic could yes. too. I, so I would say if I had to put if I had to put percentages on it, I'll go. Let's see, forty percent. 45% Hawks, 35% Wizards, so 45 then 20% Magic, something like that. Yeah, I agree with that. I mean, yeah. I think that I, – I, I kind of think the upside, like from a talent, talent and upside point of view, the Wizards are – have the higher upside, but I agree with you that like uh, we know Scotty's not going to get the – he's not going to get the maximum upside for that team. Yeah, right. and uh, and so, what what's challenging is there wasn't a team last year. I'm, I'm looking at eighteen nineteen now, a team that had the kind of profile that I'm predicting for the Hawks. So like a top a top tenish offense and a bottom tenish. So like I guess the example might be, and I'm not saying there's similar teams at all. Like San Antonio two years ago, so the eighteen nineteen Spurs, they were fifth in offense and twentieth in defense. They had a plus two differential. Like I think that's kind of the argument for like the best case scenario for them. But the problem is, I think that the Hawks will be lower than twentieth in defense, and I don't think that like fifth in offense is pretty high. So like that, that's kind of what I'm getting at. Okay, so anyway, Pacers, Pacers. So Pacers last year, uh, cleaning the glasses, garbage time excluded. Uh, they played. They played added a 47 win point differential. And they changed coaches. They went from Nate McMillan to Nate Bjorkren. And they didn't really, you know, personnel is going to be an open question. Like they missed, they had a, lot, a bunch of guys that missed time last year, including most notably Victor Oladipo, but then Brogdon missed a bunch of time. Brogdon seemingly always misses a bunch of time. And, but they, but they didn't really like change a lot over. They'll actually get more Jeremy Lamb because the season is delayed. I like Jeremy Lamb a lot, um, but also worth the, like the biggest concern that I have for them is TJ Warren is dealing with plantar fascia issues. And I love TJ Warren. I think that that could be a real problem for them. Also forward depth is maybe the biggest problem for this Pacers team. So wanted to mention that. Uh, but so I said, they played at a 47 win pace last year, extrapolating their current projections out to 82. If you wanted to go under, they could do 43 or fewer wins and you would cash. If you want to go over again, it's 43 or more wins and I think they're a much better team than this. Overplay. Yeah, I, I'm going to say that like this is a team where like it's the smallest swing of any team in the NBA in terms of projections. 
the three models all have them between thirty nine and forty wins. Um, and that's and that's on a um, that's on the abbreviated seventy two win season. Yeah. yeah, they played like a fifty win team last year. Like basically prorated. They played like a fifty win team. They played like a fifty win team last season, where the prorated to eighty games were projecting them at anywhere from forty four and a half to forty five. And their line is set at 42.5. I agree with Dan. I mean, this is an overplay. It's an overplay. Uh, and I mean, so think about last year. Oladipo, I mean, like, Oladipo played 19 games. Malcolm Brogdon played 54. Everything broke wrong for that team last year. Not ever, enough did. No, Sabonis like, missed some time. Got, Miles Turner like, missed some time. Got, the coach got fired because like, they, they ran into Miami. Who Miami was like, like at the time. Oh, was everything wrong. went wrong for them in the playoffs. Yeah, Miami was a better team, and they were freaking hard. They're just like I think. I think it's an overplay. I mean, it's just an and, obvious. Well, and here's the other thing. So I think that Nate McMillan is you know I, his his teams have have done well defensively, and something uh, Nate Duncan has brought up is that some of those players that have been good defensively for McMillan when they've gone other places, it hasn't held up. So you could see that maybe that is some some of that is coaching. Dan Boyle also deserves some of the credit, and he's no longer there either. But I think that the Pacers have a meaningful amount of untapped potential offensively. And Riles Turner, I've been super duper high on him as a potential, you know, like basically doing what Jaron Jackson Jr. did last year for the for the Grizzlies. I could see I could see Miles Turner doing that. You know, the the we don't know how long Oladipo is going to be there, but the the Brogdon Oladipo pairing I think has a lot of potential. T.J. Warren, so I could see them taking a small step back on defense. I also think they could do that. Yeah. Just sixth sixth is too rosy for them. That's where they were last year. Yeah, but they were they were, they were, they were a fifty win team last year. That it's 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 they're a fifty win team last year that didn't get worse. And didn't right. and isn't old like it's it's so think, re- it's so ridiculous to me like this this is to me just a, a straight up this is a bad line like every year there are a couple of those and this is just I just think it's a mistake like I, yeah I agree with that I, I'll, I'll say I'll say this on this is do we think Turner or Oladipo eventually get traded it's possible but I don't but I, I'd say more Oladipo than Turner but probably. here's the thing like if Oladipo gets traded. They, they were they were a fifty win team last year, and he played in eighteen games, nineteen games. So does like, it make them? More, yeah, the point the point is, does it make them worse? Probably not. Like, let's say they make they, they trade them to like the Celtics or something. Do they get worse? No, probably not. Probably not. I mean, maybe they get a little bit worse, but like they have guys. You know, Justin Holiday can fill more of a role. They have you know, if, if Jeremy Lamb is healthy by that point, then he can help. Like they this team has guys. like a Kemba. Let's let's say it's a Kemba for for Old Depot trade. Does that oh, make that makes them better, depending on how much Kemba can play. Um, but yeah, so it's, I think that, I think that this, this to me is one of the easier, one of the easier calls on the board. Yeah. And, and, and but that said, because they're in the same division as the Milwaukee Bucks and because I don't love the Pacers as a playoff team, don't touch the division odds. Don't touch the conference odds. Uh, How bad are, like these division odds are going to be kind of insane. Let me actually like look at it. It's 12 to 1. Only 12 to 1? Jesus Christ. I thought it was going to be like much better. I thought it was going to be like 20, 25 to 1. Yeah. Um. Yeah. That's that's not good. Uh. Yeah. We don't like anybody for him because we don't like anybody for okay. No. Let's move on. And yeah. Um, and there there isn't a rookie of the year candidate. Toronto Raptors. The song, Raptors. This, the song remains the same here. So the Raptors they played at a fifty fifty six win. Let's say fifty five and a half win pace last year. They actually won more than that. They they uh, they overperformed their point differential. They they won some close yeah. games last year. They lost Marcus Gasol and they lost Serge Ibaka. They replaced them with Aaron Baines and then probably more minutes for Chris Boucher and Vegas hit the crap out of them 
basically prorated there. If you wanted to go over, they need to win 48 or more. And if you want to go under, they need to win 48 or fewer. This, this is, is a, a zero hesitation overplay for me. Yeah, this is a bad line. They're like the, the, the Raptors are not 12. Like there, there's no way in the world the Raptors are 12 games worse. Or even like six, like they could be six games like, worse just if they're less healthy. I don't, I don't know where this is coming from. I don't like, like because like Siakam's back, Lowry's back. They uh, are the best coach team in the they're, NBA. They're best coach team in the NBA. They're young guys who are going to get the minutes. Where it's like OJ and Powell, like the guys who are going to get the minutes from the guys who left are awesome. They brought yeah. in Eric Baines as a guy I really, really love as a Celtics fan. Well, like, and, and, and here's here's the here's the other big point, and, and this happens sometimes. There's a conflation between we'll be worse in the playoffs and we'll be worse in the regular season. Like the Raptors, yeah, I mean, without Marcus Gasol and Serge Ibaka, I'm way less intrigued. Uh, by they, them. But re, is that really? I mean, Mark wasn't that great, and Mark and Serge weren't that great in the playoffs. Just like they were already, yeah, even kind but, of they, but they lost in the second round. So I mean, it's not like they, it's not like the Raptors were were. But they, I mean, out. like if you look at the way they, I mean, like. Alex is like they went Alex Len and, and, and Aaron Baines, and I don't know that necessarily. I mean, that's and somewhat Boucher. of a downgrade, but not a huge downgrade. Yeah, exactly. But uh, but so I'm I'm a little bit lower. Also, like I you know the idea for me with the Raptors in the playoffs was always that their offense was going to run into a brick wall, which they did. It was just that their defense was so good in that Celtic series that they almost overcame it. And by the way, that series was unbelievable. Um, but so like this is to me a zero hesitation overplay. Yeah, it, it, it didn't it didn't help the Brad Stevens like uh, coaching adjustment was a, <laughs> just, yeah vote vote. Vote, vote. Yeah, you have to vote. But but oh, so God, sorry. But so this is I mean, and, and the Raptors don't really have to me a good like a good MVP candidate yeah, well, or a good Rookie of the Year candidate. Um, in terms the models, of like the, the, the models, all kind of like uh, my PM is, is slightly lower on them. Even that is over. But like uh, the Raptor Darko and Shane are both over on the on the Raptors. I'm over again. I I'm looking at this. There's, this team is not 16 games. Like, no, they're not 12 games worse than they were last year. Yeah, and even if we're extrapolating it, yeah, like... Even if if we're saying, like, the other thing is, like, I think that these are balanced assuming that, like, you know, I think part of this is they think that, oh, Brooklyn's going to be better. But here's the thing. They're only playing Brooklyn three times. They're only playing the Celtics three times. They're, like... The schedule is not what it was. People are not playing in the division as well, much. And so here, is- here's the so I would say you know hammer I would say hammer the hammer the over under more. But what I'm seeing from you is their division odds is four and a half, four and a half to one. Play some on that too. Yeah, um, I, I I would agree with that. Like again, the point is that like. Some of this is built around people kind of not understanding the schedule and thinking that like the division is going to be t- – the Atlantic is a murder division. Well, not only that, but here's the thing. The Raptors, because of their defense and their coaching, they are they're kind of in some ways a modern iteration of what the Spurs have been, which is they will destroy bad teams. Like I think the this, other, I think the Raptors will lose. My prediction would be they will lose five or fewer games to the ten worst teams in the league. I, I think here's here's what happens. The other thing that happens is keep in mind they're not playing in Toronto this year. At right. least like not initially. They're starting the season in in Tampa. Tampa Bay. I think that what's going to happen is so people are figuring one that the division is tougher and two that they're playing in Tampa Bay. But here's the thing: I fully expect them to be playing in Toronto by March, probably. Eh, we'll we'll see. I mean, I think I think that the league is going to be very judicious about it because remember the the problem with them playing in Toronto is that everyone has to get there, including including that's what I'm saying. Like once including coaching staffs and team like and broadcasters and everything. Travel is free. They'll be able to play. So I do expect them to play in Toronto. So. They're, so they're, and I, I don't think I don't think I don't think their home advantage is going to be as like it's going to be reduced, but it's not going to be that bad. I mean, everyone's home court advantage is going to be reduced. I mean, it's it's just. Yeah, I mean, and, I think and, that. But we, I just said, they're the best coach team in the league. 
they they have a bunch of really good young talent. Uh, they lost some of their older players, but they really brought in some really good players in there. And I mean, they're not. If if this was a normal season where they're playing a bunch of division games and the Nets and the, like, the it is a murder division. It would hurt them, but they're not. They're playing a bunch of shitty East. Like they're playing a lot of like in essence. They, this year they're playing a lot more Southeast teams and they're playing a lot more Central teams. Like so, all the teams are just discussed. They're playing more games against the Cavs, the Pistons, the Hornets. This is relevant. The Bulls, the Magic, the Wizards, the Hawks, and the Pacers, right? Like, can any of these teams, like, would you pick any of these teams to win a season series? Maybe the Pacers. It's the only team that I would say, hey, they can basically take two of three against the against the Raptors. Any of these other teams, like, even the Hawks. The Hawks aren't taking two of three. And uh, the Wits, uh, no, Scotty Brooks isn't taking two or three from 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 Nick Nurse, right? So like if you like, and all those other teams are gonna get like wasted by them. I agree with you. So yeah, no, this is an easy over for me. Um, to your point, the division odds. Um, the the Raptors division odds are four and a half to one. Ooh. So that's it's a little it's a little bit intriguing, but here's here's the what point. About what about their conference odds? Oh, I don't think they're winning this conference. Twelve, twelve, no. There, there are too many good teams here. There, see, because the the thing about the Raptors is their the offensive issues have not been resolved, and I don't like I don't I think they would have them as the underdog. I like the Raptors, but and remember the top teams in the East. I mean, so maybe with one exception, they're they're pretty well coached. So like, I don't think they're gonna get that kind of an advantage. Can they? Should they make a Harden trade? No, really, that was quick. I I kind of think they should. If they I, I mean, if if the Rockets drop their price significantly, maybe. But like Toronto, yeah, well, I, I like, think I think Toronto is they're young. Like they, you know, they they with with OG and Pascal. Like they don't they don't need to they don't need. And remember, I think Harden. It's the next. You're really playing for the next two years with him. And I think the Raptors. You know, they're they're out here for the next five, six, seven, eight. So I wouldn't I wouldn't okay, sell so, it all for him. So overplay on Toronto. We both like the four and a half to win. The I, but I like the I like the over much more than the division odds. I would consider it. But see, the, the problem with the division odds is it's there are a lot of teams that could do well. Like because you have the the Celtics, the Sixers, the Heat. Celtics, sorry, not the Heat. The, the Celtics Heat don't matter. And the, the Sixers both have, actually the other teams that division have enough issues where I think the four and a half is actually a good play. Yeah, uh, it's it's uh, not it's not terrible. But I mean, the over is just such a no brainer. It's like yeah, the payout is a little bit less, but it's just like come on, just it, it throw throw good money throw, that, throw more money at the easy thing that four and a half might be like a really like this that four and a half might be the kind of number where you can basically hedge out at the middle of the season. sure because they might have like a four game lead in the middle of the season and like you're like okay like you know if you want to like hedge out like maybe you have a two game they have a two game edge and like what the second team is brooklyn or something then you can hedge out them both and basically earn into your money so yeah, yeah i think four and a half is good and pretty safe yeah Okay, so let, let's. You're gonna have opportunity for that. Let's Ooh, ju- now we're gonna get. We're now we're gonna get to a team that's legally gotten better and like really Vegas has reflected it. The Philadelphia yeah. 76ers. So the 76ers played at a, a 48 win differential last year, and Vegas basically treats it that they're the same team. They the, the, so you could so you basically if you wanted to get they need to win 49 or more for the over to cash, and they need to win 48 or fewer for the under to cash. And the Sixers not only did they. Um, they improved in coach. I think that Doc Rivers will be better for them than Brett Brown was. They got, but they also they got, they got better. They got better defensive personnel and better offensive personnel. I I would agree. I mean, I think that Horford the the concept of Horford was fine. It just didn't work as well. But getting I think Danny Green makes sense there. I think think Seth Curry makes sense there. Also, Matisse Thybul is a year older. And I it's think not Dwight like Howard, I think Dwight Howard makes sense there too. Yeah, sure. I mean, their their functional depth is is totally fine now. I, I wish they had another kind of like half court initiator you know like another kind of player like that but it's not that huge a problem 
And also remember, it's not that the Sixers were isn't that isn't that isn't that Tyrex Maxi? It might be, but I think it might take him some time. Um, yeah, I think I'm not I'm not as hot as some people are on Maxi, but I, like, I, I didn't watch film on him, so I can't I can't talk about Maxi. I, I, know, too much. I, I know I know Cosmos is really hot on Maxi, but, right? But here, like the, here's the here's the other big point. He's one, with, he's one of he's, the thing with Maxi is he's one of those classic Kentucky guys where like he's better than his uh, Kentucky performance because Kentucky's just too deep and he wasn't getting the ball. But like sure. a lot of the guys were like I really respect really like maxi so let's let's say this i think maury came in and had like a really problematic roster and just like the moves he did were really really good yes yeah, i mean it, it, it makes maxi. it makes more sense their books are a lot better which is really nice that doesn't necessarily affect them on the floor though it might um but also remember that so one of the other things you think about is okay so vegas thinks they're going to be the same team is so we brought up the coaching upgrade and they're so you, then you go well are they were they are they going to be healthier than they were last year? And so Simmons played 50, remember 70, 73 game season for them. Simmons played 57 games and Bede played 51. I think that the two of them combined probably played more than that. Maybe not dramatically. I mean, I think Simmons yeah. has a higher capacity to play more and then Embiid's always going to miss some time. Um, but also they have a better, I, I mean, I wouldn't say uh, Dwight is a better replacement than Horford, but at least he kind of fills a more similar role. Dwight is a better fit for that roster than, than sure. Horford. And also, um, like, yeah, they had GR3 and Alec Burks and those guys, but they were only on the roster for a little bit of time. So losing losing that functional depth hurts, but it's not depth they had the whole season. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I would say with Philly, their, you know, their, their defensive ceiling is still plenty high. Um, and I thought they kind of, they slightly underperformed. I mean, they had great defensive personnel. And then offensively, I think they could be better. And also now, they this is another huge change for me with the Sixers, is now that they have Daryl Morey instead of Elton Brand running the show, I'm more confident that moves they make in season will make them better. Yes, yes. And so, so I, I think that I'm going overplay here. I, the models are, are generally positive on them as well. The model? I, I don't think this is nearly the no-brainer. Like, this isn't a terrible line like the Pacers and the Raptors lines are, where it's like, oh, God, think, you have to push it. But I am de- I'm an overplay all the same. I think it is a terrible line. I mean, they're they're better than a 48-win team, which is what they were last season. I mean, they're basically saying, look, oh, they're the same as last season. I'm looking at this roster and going like, no, no, no. This team is, this team is clearly better constructed and clearly makes a ton more sense. Than it did last year, and I think as much as I like, will 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 rag on Doc in uh, on Doc in the playoffs. Doc is a better coach than uh, like as an improvement and coaching, particularly in the regular season. Yeah, and and, and I as people have brought this up, like one of the things that Doc is is best at is and, motiv- and, and is motivating motivating difficult players. And Joel Embiid well, playing harder is a it could be a huge thing for them. By the way, here's the sneaky sneaky thing: they brought in another Spurs guy. Is what they did, right? They mm-hmm. went up. They stayed on the same coaching three. So really, systematically, I don't expect it. Like, so if they brought in kind of a non-Spurs, uh, like an, a non-Pop uh, three guy, I, the systems would change a lot more. Whereas if you bring in Doc, basically you're bringing in another Pop tree guy, but a guy who's got a little more one more experience. Where, what is Doc's connection to the Pop tree? I'm not sure. I Doc was his assistant. Oh, long ass time ago. I guess that's right. Yeah, Doc's first job was like yeah. as he's, he's he's the original pop assistant, and he was on, he was also he played for the Spurs too. So he's yeah, uh, he, he played for the Spurs. Yeah, so he's like in essence you're bringing in a guy who's like who's like who's who's on that tree, but is also better at like Doc is really good at managing personalities, right? So I think that like for this team, 
in season, Doc is a really good get because, like, in essence, I mean, a lot of the issues of the team are, like, personnel and kind of personality. Like, if you can get Ben Simmons, and we keep talking about it, but if you can get Ben Simmons to kind of, like, hey, let me just take some threes, <laughs> let me engage on this, and, like, be a little more flexible on that, then, like, you know, again, I think this team is clearly better in terms of fit and personnel. And I think there's an improvement in coaching as well. So, like, I kind of really like this team and kind of what they've done. And as I, I agree with you, like, I think any trade they make is going to make them better. Even if they make their hardened trade, they're basically going to make a hardened trade that's going to help them, right? Uh, not necessarily their team. So I'm, I'm definitely on the over on this team. I think 48 is just way too low. I mean, you could talk me, you could talk me into the over for the Sixers if the line was 50, like equal to 51. Okay, right? so let's go, let's go through the other ones. Um, division odds, 4 to 1. I think well, that's I think that's fine, not great. Like, would you would you be fine holding four and a half for Toronto and four to one for uh, for Philly as your two division odds for this division? Sure. Given the issues with the Nets and uh, Celtics, I'm going to say yes. I think that like I like the division. Like, I'm fine being these are the two division odds I'm holding. So I'm going to say that yes, we like division. What about we like? So it's Philly at four to one. Do we like the um, MVP odds for anybody? The I don't think I don't think I mean so okay so for Embiid I'm seeing it about the best odds at about forty to one. No, I mean like the the MVP guy for this team is always going to be Ben Simmons if it is somebody. I mean the the I think there's a theory behind Embiid. Embiid could be like if he's engaged and does it, he could win Defensive Player of the Year. And if he wins Defensive Player of the Year and is a high usage, pretty efficient guy on offense, he could win MVP. I would be a little I, bit surprised. And then Simmons, so Simmons MVP odds are about 100 to 1. That's the best odds you've been seeing. But a lot of it, it's around 80 to 1. I, I, it's, it's interesting, isn't it? It's, it's in, I think that's a reasonable number, but I don't think that's like a, a true value. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, to, here's the line I'm going to put for, for, for Simmons, right? I'm going to say, I'm gonna, this is what I'm going to say. I'm going to say, the, if you see within the first 10 games, Ben Simmons takes, takes five threes in a game, run to buy his MVP odds that same day. If he takes five, he needs to take five threes in a game. If he takes five threes in I a don't game, think, I don't think that's happening. Well, that's what I'm saying. Like, if that happens, then yes, run, like, that's just bang and grab the 100 to 1, right? Just do it. Don't even think about it. But if he doesn't, then, like, I'm saying, like, if he changes, like, he just needs to tweak his game. If he tweaks his game, and, like, you know, if he's taking five threes a game and making them a 30%, that's a huge deal because it just. The, the thing that people kind of like, why are people saying like shoot a three? Because if you can shoot a three on Ben Simmons, then you can't really fucking, you can't cover him. Because his, you, the, re, the way you cover him now is you back off on him on like on the line and you basically like take four, three or four steps back, which lets you catch up when he tries to go by you because he's like seven feet tall and he can basically like blow by most players, right? So and if you don't, if you can't give him that space, then guarding him on an ISO is just, um, you know, you're just dead. Particularly because this team, this Sixers team, has a bunch of guys who can actually shoot the ball now, right? Like, so if you if 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 you're doing that and Seth Curry's on the wing, right, and you got Seth Curry who's like Seth Curry and Tobias Harris are basically just sitting there, and Tobias Harris is decent, and Seth Curry is a historically great uh, three point shooter. So it, it, it just creates an unbalance, right? That's what I'm saying. Like, if he starts taking threes, then yes, that 100 to 1. But we won't know. Like, if we, if, it's a, if we got, like, 10 games for the preseason where we can actually see what the hell they're running in terms of an offense, then we can make an idea. But if he isn't, like, until you know, you can't make that determination. I'm not going to, like, I'm not going to sink my money until I know. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, that makes sense. Um, oh, so, so their uh, conference odds are about 9.5 to 1. Title Ooh. odds are 20 to 1. Ooh. Ooh, 
Um, those are interesting. Um, so let me ask you this. If this was a series between this Sixers team and the Lakers, what would you put the odds for the Sixers winning? Oh, under forty they, per, under forty like under forty percent. If the Sixers are healthy, is what I'm saying. Yeah, I mean they because the problem is the Lakers are really good defensively, and I think that the Sixers. It's hard for me to imagine the Sixers generating a ton in the half court on them. I think that could be a real problem. So yeah, so for me, one of the things I look at is you look at what would the what would the odds be if that team were to make the. Uh, so I would bet the conference odds for Philly before I bet the title odds. Because I think they'd have a below 50% chance of winning the NBA Finals. Even if they were good enough to make it, which they would, the Sixers, that would be a, like kind of a best case scenario for them because making the Finals is the best case scenario for almost everybody. Yeah, and, and Pop, like, Doc can be such a bad uh, playoff coach. Right. Um, but God, the conference odds for them are, you said what? It's oh. 9.5 is what you have in the sheet. Are they, this, are, are they the second favorite team in, this, in the conference? No, I think I'd probably have them in third or fourth. Man, I agree with that. I'm gonna have to, and I like. Them. I, I I like the I like the over a lot more than the conference odds, but I wouldn't be you throwing a small amount on it. Wouldn't be terrible. So conference at nine and a half to one. We like conf. We like conference. We like Philly conference a tiny bit. Yeah. At nine. No, I agree with that. The thing is, I could totally see the one in the conference. I mean, like people forget that this team basically was like, like they probably could have won the title two years ago, right? If not for that, like Kawhi, uh, like heartbreaker. I mean, they, I, gave, they gave the Raptors the hardest series of anybody. Now the Warriors I, got injured all hell. But like, and yeah. I, I, will, I will believe this forever. If they win that series, they beat the Bucs and they yeah, beat the I think they beat the Bucs. I think they lose to the Warriors, but... No, I think... I think here's the thing. Well, they were a worse match. They were a worse match. They were a really bad match for the Warriors, particularly with, like, the Warriors being hurt. And, like, Philly... The diff, like Philly was the other team that would beat the shit out of people. In That's the, true. In the, in the, like so, and, and like people forget Philly was rolling out these lineups like where everybody was like six ten or higher, right? And so like, and with, with you can do with Simmons, and Simmons is a great defensive player too. So like, I think the Sixers would have won that because then again, I'm assuming that like plays out the same way where like KD gets hurt and like Clay gets hurt, and then if that's the situation, then they're Philly's beating the hell out of. Uh, Boy, is that a different world if Philly would like if, if like Kawhi doesn't make that shot, it's a very different world. Well, if Kawhi doesn't make the shot, doesn't that game go to overtime? That that turned yeah. to, that turned a tie to a win. Yeah, but Philly was charting in that game. Well, and Philly would have had Embiid on the four in overtime. And remember that the story of that game, one of the stories was the the Sixers getting absolutely plastered when Embiid was not on the floor. Right. No, it's 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 a really like but let's say like I think Philly could have won the title that, that season. Absolutely they could have. And, and if Philly wins the title that season, then it's a very different I don't think I mean I don't think the coach gets fired. He doesn't get fired. No. Um, no, he doesn't. And, and they don't make they don't make the Hor- they don't sign Horford. No. Like it's I, very, I mean, it's, Jimmy Butler probably doesn't leave. Yeah, Jimmy Butler. Jimmy Butler. They probably run I, it back. I, I think that like if Philly wins the title two years ago, they probably win the title this year. Uh, we'll see. We'll see. Anyway, I think we can jump on to Miami. No, I mean, like, they, I think they would have won the title in like last year, like last season. Like they would have run it back and won it. Well, I mean, Simmons was hurt, but they would have, they would have had Jimmy. Yeah. Eh, what's worth? Oh, anyway, anyway, we can jump. We have so much stuff to talk about. Hypotheticals. So Miami last year. Made, obviously, they made the NBA Finals, but in the regular season, they had the differential of a 49-win team, and Vegas thinks they'll be about the same. So, I mean, if you want to, again, pro-rating for 82 games, you could, if they win 49 or above, then the overcashes. If they win 49 or fewer, then the undercashes. And I know there will be people who say, oh, God, this is a no-brainer. They were so good in the bubble and everything like that. 
I am an overhear, but I'm an overfade for a very basic reason, which is I think Eric Spolstra and Pat Riley and everybody else, they're playing the long game here. And I think that they are not going to be as focused on winning every possible regular season game and more focused on making sure they're right for the playoffs. So Goran Dragic is going to play less. Jimmy Butler is going to play less. And so they're a better they're a better team than 49 wins. I think they'll I think they'll do it over. Yeah, this is what this is what Miami always does. Miami always like kind of slough the rotation and like rest Yeah, guys. and so like but that's why I don't want to play this is because I think that there is a distinct chance that they just care less about winning regular season games and so the the compressed nature of the schedule, but there is the argument for overplay is actually pretty simple, which is even if they slow play this their guys have gotten better. Like Tyler Hero is going to be more like the guy we saw in the bubble than the guy he was at the beginning of the regular season. Yeah, so, some of that, some of that, I think I think the bubble kind of inflated shooting percentages because it was the same rim every night. Yeah, I, I, th- think, I think it like, did too, and there was that, no travel. Um, I, I think that some of that, I think Tyler Hero's, it doesn't mean I don't think he can't hit the upside that he hit in the bubble, but I think it might be he might he might take a one step back before he takes two step forward to see that is my take right on. and and also like I mean Duncan Robinson was ridiculous at various moments last year. The Heat are extremely well coached. I think they'll defend well. So like for me, the reason why I'm fading this is it's a totally reasonable line. I it w- I think it's more likely, let's say sixty or fifty five percent that they go over this, but. I don't want to feel like an idiot where they win the equivalent of 48 games, then they, you know, do really well in the Eastern Conference playoffs, and you're like, well, crap, I think they're going to be a good team, but why Why did I bet the over instead of something else? Yeah, I, mm-hmm. I agree with everything you said in terms of being over. There's a bunch of talent on, like, they, they have plus offensive players, plus defensive players. The team is young and it's improving. I mean, they've got Bam, they've got Tyler Hero, they've got a bunch of guys. So, man, do I think they're going to be better than last year? Yeah. Um, it's a marginal overplay for me. I'm I'm going to go overplay with them, particularly because I mean, I mean, their division isn't great either. So, I mean, and they're also not playing that many games in the division. Same thing, you know, they're going to play less games in the division. So, even though it's improved, they're going to play more of the shitty teams in the Central that win a typical year. So, their schedule probably gets softer. Um, well, so here, so, so let's let's dance through some of their other odds. So, their their division odds it pays out. 40%. So not 4 to 1. Is that you can convert that better than I can. Yeah, that's that that means it's it's, it's like minus 250. I I'd have to look, but it's like I, minus 250. I think too. they're going to win their division. I don't know that the time yeah. value of money on that is great. Um just cuz there are other things on the board. Um conference so the interesting thing from the odds that you have is the split between their conference odds and title odds. So for Philly it was about 50%. That if they so if they it, it was, you know, 10 uh, 10 to 1 basically to win the conference 20 to 1 to win the title for miami for whatever reason might be because of their win against the bucks last year it's almost it's almost a three difference so it's a 7 to 1 to win the conference and 20 to 1 to win the title yeah people people don't really understand that if miami had been healthy in that series like in the finals that probably goes to 7 right. and they might win right so like to me like, i i don't love their title it's like it's not bad like i mean it i i it's a totally plausible bet if you like miami i think that's it's 20 to 1 like i i would throw i would throw some money on that i think that's totally reasonable but is the, I wouldn't is the, throw it on their on their conference odds just because like if so if Miami makes if Miami's good enough to win the East again, then I think they have at least a fighter's chance in the finals. So like for me, like so because basically the payout is almost triple. Um 
So I would I would rather have twenty to one than seven to one personally. Yeah. Um, would you rather? I mean, I think the trick with it. I was say, come back to the division. They're right. They're they're under even money. But like, I think for Miami, the trick is going to be like, like, can you get Miami to win the division at like better odds? Like, and if you if you can might, do that, then that's totally fine. You might be able to get them like like maybe five ten games in the season if they start off broth or something. Yeah. Right. And and the, the odds move. So I like I think any anytime you see Miami at like better than even money to win that division. In the first 15, 20 games, you buy it. Here, here's here's my thing. Like, if you like Miami, and I do, and I think a lot of other people do, where you're going to make your money on them is going to be in the playoffs once we get the matchups. It's I don't think it's going to be necessarily before. So it could be there. Um, but they'll get respect this year, which they didn't last year, and I was wrong. You know, like, I didn't give them respect last year, and that was a mistake that I made. Um, like, I don't love anybody's MVP odds for them. Um, Jimmy is a, is a good player. I don't think that he is a regular season MVP, especially in a shortened oh. season. And Precious Chua isn't going to play enough to win rookie yeah. of the year. So where, so what are our bets? What are our picks for Miami? I'm I'm overfade, and I wouldn't. I, I I'd maybe throw a small amount on their title odds. Like I think that's I think that's a totally reasonable bet, but I don't think it's like a screaming deal. I'm God. Am I going to go overplay on them too? Um, you said you were. Yeah, yeah I'm going to go overplay. I mean, I I trust I trust Bo enough that like I think that yeah. I mean, I think it's a fairly easy. Um, I think it's going to be interesting in terms of uh, positioning for the finals. I mean, I think like there's something to be some. I think they're going to have incentive to win uh, a little bit more games in terms of home court. Uh, sure. Because I, particularly, particularly because I think a couple of the other teams in the West, the Lakers, are going to be worse than the, than like they're not going to care as much. So there's going to be some value for Miami saying, "Hey, we can try to get the home court on the Lakers." Or the home court on uh, like a couple of the other like Western Conference teams, or maybe some of the Eastern teams too. So I do think that they're going to care about like seeding a little bit. Um, so I'm going to say that like uh, I'll make a note that Danny likes the uh, likes. What was the title odds again? Twenty to one. Twenty to one to win the title. The title, and I think we both think that if like we both think that if the division odds get to even money at some point in the first ten games, you should buy on it. Yeah, sure. But let's say they start off like four and six. Like oh yeah, happens, their division like, odds get there just yeah, just tamer it. Unless if, there's like a catastrophic injury. If the if the heat division odds odds drop to even money money early, buy it. Yeah. No, I think this is this is the way to play it. I mean, like this, I, I people who I know who do this who basically just look at a team and go like I don't like the number right now, but if I wait a couple games, if they have a bad run or they had a bad like streak, I can get the number much more favorable because like these numbers move in the short term where they really shouldn't. Yeah. And so like this is one of those where like yeah, right now I don't like getting like like you know it's like a minus two fifty. I don't like that. But if I can get to like like even money, then it's a really great bet. Okay, the let's Boston jump to Celtics. your Boston Celtics. Uh, so Ooh, the Celtics uh, last year. Uh, they, in terms of cleaning the glass point differential, they played at a 58 win pace. They they won fewer than that. They were more to 55 win. Um, they lost Gordon Hayward. We don't know exactly what's going on with Kemba Walker's knee, which is definitely concerning. Um, they added Ter- Tristan Thompson. They added Aaron Neesmith, who, as you mentioned, is is injured at the moment. Um, the over under for them is interesting. It is so Fast it's in that had, low. It's in that low. low Danny, fit- they had P too. What? Uh, this is a shout out to Will. Sor- Weird Celtics Twitter calls him Fast PP uh, Pritchard. Oh, Peyton Pritchard. Yeah. Yes. Um, and so the Vegas moved them down pretty significantly. Um, they the Celtics. If you wanted to go under fifty one and under would do it. If you wanted to go over fifty one and over would do it there. And the models seem to be a little bit split here, um, which is which is there's interesting. A, there's, a, there's a significant uh, split between the models, like seven eight, eight games. 
Uh, two of them have an under, uh, Rapam, and uh, the two statistical models have them under. Uh, the non-statistical model, which is Shane, has them. I'm Shane does statistics. He has them over. The trick with this team is this is a very young team. There's two things to consider with this team. It's like, so it's a very young team, so a bunch of the players that are remaining are going to get better. Uh, Tatum, Smart, uh, Jalen Brown, uh, a bunch of the bench guys. You expect these guys to improve. The other trick for the team is really unique. Like the this the, the upside of this team is all tied into the center position. So I don't think Tristan Thompson is as bad as he's currently rated by the models because he's getting a lot of the crap from a really really bad Cleveland defense, right? Because he was the center, he was that guy cleaning up. He's not a, like if you look at his curve, he was really bad the last two years in terms of the model. But I think part of that is because the defense person all around him was crap. So I think Tristan Thompson is a better player than the statistical models are giving him credit for. That's that's piece one. You mentioned the Kemba play piece, but the other piece is uh, Robert Williams, right? So I, I do think that like a lot of the Celtics season rides on how good are Williams and Thompson going to be. Well, see, see, I I disagree a little bit because my theory is they have kind of they have a couple of options there, and I think that the Celtics will get totally fine center play from those guys in the regular season. I think that I mean the the problem is that they have to go small and like rely on guys like I don't like semi like if they have no, to no I don't on, I don't think they'll have to I mean whether I think Daniel Tice is totally fine and he should be healthier I, I think mean, that fine. Tristan is Tristan is totally fine and Robert Williams I think has the most upside but has the lowest floor and if he's on the floor side he won't play and if he's on the upside play then he will you're missing their small ball five which is going to be like their small ball five is going to be Grant Williams yeah and uh, Grant, oh and I I really like Grant Williams so like yeah. I, so and, but, and, but no, but I'm saying I'm saying like the the question mark for them is at that five position, and it's also like how much improvement you're going to see on like so there's some downside. It's, it's, peri- it's perimeter depth. I mean that's that's the big issue for me with them. I mean they lost Wanamaker, replaced him with Jeff Teague. Yeah, losing Wanamaker is a huge deal. Actually. They lost they lost Gordon Hayward, but didn't really because they used the mid level to get Tristan. They didn't really have that, and yes, they do have this trade exception from the yeah, can, from from the Gordon Hayward thing. But remember, they can't they're hard capped this year, so they can't they can't spend too much i think boston's gonna roll that over to next summer and use it then yeah um, so vegas had him at four games worse i think this is the kind of theme this is the kind of roster that stevens loves and kind of does stevens generally exceeds with this kind of roster is my, I, my i'm in overplay yeah i think I, I, this I, I mean because here's the other here, here's the other kind of key piece of this it is true, like, Gordon Hayward played more of the regular season, I think, than some people think. He played 52 of their 73 regular mm-hmm. season games, and Kemba played 56. So I think Kemba could play a smaller proportion, entirely possible, but then he was, but he had a stretch in the in the early part of the bubble where he was very limited and still playing. Um, but Tatum and Brown have been pretty durable, and I think both of those guys are going to be good. I think that Brad Stevens' teams have def- consistently defended well, even though the personnel has changed, even when they've been very limited, yeah, and their and offense think, will be totally fine. I think, in theory, they got better at the five, but that's, I mean, like, I think they got better defensively at the five with Tristan, and if Robert plays, I mean, that's what I like. I, I, I agree with you, the defense, but I like. Like in on in on paper, right? On paper, they got better. Like versus like the model, which is like where this is where the risk is for this team. I'm. This is not a bad line, by the way. I think this line is close to where it should be. Um, yeah, but I'm going to agree with you that I think like Brad's teams generally exceed this. 
And this is the kind of team that does like this is the kind of team he basically seeds with. So God, another this is going to be my one, two, three, my fifth straight overplay. Um, and again, I think I I'll, I'll mention this again. Uh, they're gonna they're gonna play less games against the tough Atlantic, and they're gonna play a bunch of like they're gonna play functionally. They're going to play more games. More percentage of their games are gonna be against shitty teams, right? Because instead of playing all these division games, they're gonna play a lot of like they're gonna play more, the conference games have not shrunk. And they're going to put, like, the, the Western Conference games they have to play. And the percentage of their games that are going to be played outside of the division are going to be higher. So they're going to end up playing a lot more games against, like, bad teams. So um, let's, let's go briefly through their other stuff. Um, basically, Tatum MVP. Tatum ba- MVP. Tatum MVP. So I'm seeing that at about 20 to 1, roughly. Ooh. I'm seeing 25 to 1. I'm seeing for okay. MVP. It's interesting, isn't it? It's it's interesting. I think the, the trick with the trick with this, it one of the tricks historically with MVP is like generally the guys who win have finished in the top five before, right? And he hasn't like what was the MVP voting like? Like twenty twenty. Hold on, I'm curious. I think Luca was in the top twenty, right? Luca, yeah, Luca was in the top five. Right, Luca was in the top five uh, NBA. NBA. Uh, Tatum hasn't been. So I think this is a year for Tatum. If I could bet on him to finish in the top five, I would bet on him. He finished twelfth. Uh, I would bet on him to finish. Yeah, he uh, got one fifth place vote. Yeah, I think Tatum is going to be a, sh- a lock in for a top five MVP finish, but he's not going to win. Um, I think Luca is the one who's really. We'll talk. He's obviously. We'll, we'll, we'll get to Luca. We'll um, and then the, that, Cel- no, so the I, Celtics. It's three to one to win the division. I, I think that's fine, but I would rather play the. Over. I would not. I would rather be holding Philly action. And I would rather be holding Philly action and Toronto action because I do think the I do think the the Atlantic is basically going to beat the crap out of everybody else. Is yeah, it's expectation this season. Um, but I don't think the Celtics are going to. I think the Celtics. Let's say the Celtics. So I'm thinking the Celtics are going to win 47 games, which is the equivalent of like I don't know 50. They're going to go. I think that's like 53 or 54. They're going to basically win the same amount of games they won last year. Yeah, I think I think that's true. And then I don't like their I don't love their conference odds or title odds. I think that the Celtics. But, they're but limited. the thing is, the thing is, they're going to win the same amount of games they won last year. But I also think Philly and Toronto are better. So yeah. They're going to exactly. win the same amount of games they won last year, but like that's going to be that's going to be enough to be like like yeah. be like finish like three or four games behind. So, and that's so why like, to me, if you're optimistic on the Celtics, just bet they're over the the conference odds. The conference odds it's basically like five and a half to one. That's not great. Yeah. And then the title odds seventeen and a half. I mean, it's I I think that Boston Boston is going to be hard for them to win the conference because there are all these good teams and their limitations are going to come to the fore more. Um, it's not terrible but i don't i i like i like the over by far the best like if you if you can we can revisit this during the season because of like say jalen takes a leap if jalen takes a leap offensively or like you know you know jalen locationally will just be really really good offensively in a game and if he takes a leap offensively then we can revisit his their title odds right and and i think here's the thing with the celtics is i think there's enough there's a lot of upside on this team right sure absolutely and you're looking at it and you're like, yeah, I mean, like, and if the and and Vegas kindly dropped their number, and I think that they're dropping the number and the situation and kind of the shift in the schedule makes me more like, yeah, just take the over on this team and don't even worry about everything else. Yeah, like if you like if the the title odds and the conference odds are going to be interesting for this team, we can revisit those at the half. Of the sure, year, right? Um, uh, okay, we so we can. I think we can jump to Brooklyn, right? Brooklyn. So yes. Brooklyn, what they did last year is irrelevant because their best player didn't play at all, and their second best player missed a bunch of time. Um, but so to extrapolate out their over under line, if you want to go under, it's fifty one or fewer wins. If you want to go over, it's fifty two or more wins. 
Uh, the models are both low on them, and I am an under play. Walk me through it. I think their offense is going to be is going to be pretty good. I've been very good at times. Yeah. I mean, their their starting yeah, five offense will be great. The bench it's going to really depend on who plays when. How does Steve Na- how do Steve Nash and D'Antoni and Jacques Vaughn manage their rotation? But I think their defense is going to be bad. I think that they you know they they don't have real switching personnel. They have a collect a great collection of players who their don't give a shit index on defense can be extremely high. Kevin Durant, I, somebody I've covered closely. He, I don't think that he's going to be super duper focused on it. Kyrie Irving, never super duper focused on it. And they, they'll get 48 decent minutes they in have, center. They have, three, they have three plus defenders per Darko. Can you guess? Jared Allen. Yes. Um, oh, God. Durant. Durant, yes. And, ooh. Come on, the third one is easy. DeAndre? DeAndre, yeah. Yeah. I, I think DeAndre, he looked a little bit washed for me at moments last year and two yeah, years but ago. Yeah, he's, he's, still, he's still plus defensively. But he's still, a t- yeah, I, I would say that's fine. Um, like, like, like you got to remember that DeAndre, like, in his prime was plus, plus, plus defensively, right? Sure. He's also playing next to Chris Paul, so that's a yeah, whole bunch. Like, but, so, but so I think that the um, the fundamental, yeah. like, the, the, that's not, a, to me, that's not enough, especially when you consider the threshold here. Like, the threshold here is, are the Nets a 50-win team? Not, like, are they an above, above how, team? Okay, so how many wins are are the following teams getting against the Nets? Knicks, Cavaliers, Pistons, Hornets, Bulls, Magic, Wizards, and Hawks. I mean, not many. They'll 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 eat they'll eat against them. But my concern is that I think the Nets will give up cheapies. I also think they're going to rest their stars a lot. Like I think that Durant coming off of an Achilles issue, yeah. I think he's. I, I would be surprised if he plays on a back to back in the regular season this year. Yeah, this is why. Like, like so, like to, to walk through the models on these teams. Um, um, I've got Nets. All three of the models include like Shane's under, uh, Darko's under, PM PM uh, forty eight is under, and they're significantly under on them. They've got them at like Robin has them at like thirty seven wins, which is just barely over five hundred. Uh, PM forty eight is a little more kinder. The trick is I've like the projection I'm working on has Durant playing almost 30 minutes a game, which I think is aggressive. Um, same and that's with 30 Ka- minutes per Nets game, not 30 minutes per game he plays. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. yeah so, that, I mean, that's I think that's way too aggressive. If I you think, drop I, I that think, to like 25. Yeah, I mean yeah, they're doing it for fantasy, so I know why they did that. But I think that's aggressive. I mean, there's downside risk on both, and I think they're going to rest them. I think that division is tough enough where like they're going to. I think that division is going to be. I come back to it. It's going to be Philly and Philly and Toronto have the depth and uh, consistent talent to play with. Boston has issues as as, as in, in Nets do in terms of like I think the Nets are a better playoff team than they are a regular season team. I agree. Um, and I think it's an under. I'm going to go underplay for me. Like it's underplay yeah. for me. I mean, because that number that number is just way too high. That's it's like, just way too like, high. Like I, it's just too high. It's and just, um, so for them in terms of MVP, Durant is at about. 15 12 to 15 to 1 i don't think he's gonna play enough i think there's a chance he does it but again coming off an achilles and Kyrie's not going to um, um so do you like the mvp odds no i think i think it's worth considering but no i, I mean think, I, yeah he's playing next to, he's playing next to Kyrie. he's not gonna play enough games i i, I don't I, yeah. I, his team's not gonna win 50 games i don't also think. i don't think he's gonna give he's gonna care on defense and that's not a huge thing but i think it's small 
Like, yeah, like if if some of the other guys like are are he might get some shot blocks and things like that, and maybe there's a little bit of the narrative if you play small ball five and those lineups look good. Um, but oh, the other the, here's the other reason Katie's probably not going to win the MVP is I don't think the Nets are going to be good enough. If I if I'm yeah. if I'm predicting the Nets aren't going to win 50 games or like aren't going to win 51 if we're going to be technical here, then I then then the, the he's not going to have an MVP case. Like that's just the way the NBA works. Nets at uh, three to one to win the conference. Too strong. I could imagine, like, at a certain moment in time, picking the Nets conference odds, but it's not right now. This is too strong. They're basically, they're basically right now. They're they got the best odds to win the cup. What the hell? That's insane. Yeah. Well, I mean, uh, they're getting. But they, they, remember, I talked at the very beginning of this podcast about how, like, the New York optimism. The Nets are now getting that. It's not. It's not. The I, would, Knicks. I would. I would like to take the field against the Nets on that one. Jesus Christ. Yeah, no. if you could short, if you could short their conference odds, I would. I would love to short the golf. I mean, you can, but then you have to like when we get to the playoff series, we'll do that. Yeah, Don't worry but about it's it. yeah. Anyway, um, what about so, the, t- the title odds for the Nets? Are I don't think their defense is good enough. I don't think they're winning the title. The title odds are interesting. Six point six. Yeah, that's no, I think no, that. No. I think they're just overvalued right now, and that's yeah, fine. So it's just, it just it just it just means that it means that I'll probably make money on the render, and then uh, that does not mean that I think like there are some teams like they're. New York, their New York City brethren, the Knicks, where it's like, I think they're a bad team and all this kind of stuff. There could be a moment in time where I am on the Nets and pick them to win a series or something okay. like that. It's just not their full season stuff. Rank these teams in order. Toronto, Philadelphia, Boston, and Brooklyn. In terms of regular season wins? Yes. Boston, Toronto, Philly, Brooklyn? Yeah. And I'm, I'm I, could actually, see, I could see the top three in any order. I, I, I actually have it more like Philly, Toronto, Boston, Brooklyn is my, my, my order. No, that's totally but, fair. But I agree, I, I agree I'm close on all of them. I don't, think, I don't think Brooklyn finishes in the top two in that division. Um, no, I don't either. But now who the top two are going to be in that division is, is up in the air for me. Like, because yes. they're – I mean – I think the thing is, I think the Toronto, I, I think the floor on Toronto and Philly is very high, very high. Yes, uh, and I think the floor on Boston and Brooklyn is lower. Um, but I do think the ceiling on Boston, I think the ceiling on Boston is, for the season is higher than Brooklyn. Do you agree with me on that? Uh, for regular season wins, regular season wins, yes. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, because I don't think Brooklyn doesn't have the depth to like put together like a sixty. But like I could see, I could see Brooklyn having higher title odds because like if Durant and like it's basically the if it yes. works, like their pure ceiling is higher because they have these undeniable scores and maybe by then they've cobbled together enough of a defense. The Atlantic, or the Atlantic they've traded is, for James Harden. The Atlantic is the best division in the NBA, right? Oh yeah, it's not. It's not. It's not I mean, close. it has four of the it has four of the six best teams in their own conference and a series like. I mean, you can make it. It, it kind of depends on what you value because the the other serious contender is the Pacific. The Pacific has maybe the two best teams in the NBA, and then the Warriors and the Suns and the Kings. So I guess it kind of depends on what you value. Like if you if the goal is expected, like I think the the Atlantic Division will win more games than the Pacific. But if you wanted to maximize title odds, you take I, the Pacific. I, I'd actually say like r- total games, the Pacific might win more because I actually like I'm really kind of underground high on the on the kings yeah that, that's potential but i mean i think the kings are gonna have 20 games yeah I, but it's it's, it's those two divisions I, I don't really want to spend a ton of time dwelling on yes, that maybe yes. we'll talk about that later in the year so let's get to the last team in the eastern conference the milwaukee bucks the bucks last year played at a 64 win point differential 63 if we're doing uh on wins extrapolated out they 
made a couple of big trades. They added Drew Holiday. Giannis did sign that extension on Tuesday. Uh, and Vegas thinks they're going to be worse, that they um, that they are going to, you know, so if you want to go over 57 and up, if you want to go under 57 and down. And this... They're worse, they're worse than last year. Yeah. Oh, they, I would say, well, here's here's what I would say. So there, there are two things. One, the Bucks were pretty healthy last year. Giannis did miss some time. And they, and they were actually shockingly good when Giannis didn't play, which is an interesting kind of thing to think about. I don't necessarily think that's representative. Eric Bledsoe, get, Eric Bledsoe gets a ton of crap that he doesn't deserve. Well, right. I mean, so there is a conflation for the Bucks of the, we've talked about this a couple of times during this of playoffs versus non-playoffs. I think they are a monstrous regular season team. I think that their starting five is still there. But but the reason why they might they might be worse. Well, no, is they're missing. They got rid of Bledsoe and replaced him with Holiday. Yeah, but Holiday's and a Hol- better. Holiday's a better def- Holiday's a, a better, better player. player, but he's not as good defensively as Bledsoe. I think they're similar. I think that they're they're good in different ways. Um, and I think that what Holiday what Holiday is good at could be useful for them. They also lost West Matthews, which I think could be a bigger problem. Um. Yeah, they, I think I think the Bucks got better for like the the got the Bucks got top heavier, which is better for the playoffs, but it works for the regular season. Well, the other reason they're worse for the regular season is that they're much shallower, and so that yeah, that means exactly. that when when and, and this is a condensed season, so guys are going to miss time, and that's going to be you know they also lost George Hill, who was an important part of the rotation last year, yeah. um, and they're they're a bunch. Of, I, I I mean, but here. And so, so I'm conflicted here a little bit because I think I think all this variant stuff. You also you you run the risk that like COVID and everything else is going to you know that increases volatility. And so when you're a top end team, that volatility brings you down more than it raises you up. And this is a lot of wins. You know, like a team winning 56 is that that's a real accomplishment. Like the Bucks could have a very strong season and not and not hit this total. That said, I mean, I think- that said. I'm an overplay. All have it like there's a big swing on the Bucks about seven games, seven wins. Uh, two of the models have them under, so uh, PM has them under, Rapham has them under, Shane had them over. Um, the number, I mean, it's a drop. I kind of think they're they're worse. They're clearly worse than last year. The the thing that the models don't get is that the Bucks basically. Uh, there's the expression they Milton Burled the season, which is they basically did enough. They would do enough to win these games, but they had a lot left in the tank. It's a little bit that used to happen with the Warriors. They didn't play these fourth quarter rotations. Um, yeah, yeah. They, so like, I mean, they. You think about the Bucks' point differential, like the, of being a 64 win team, and you think that they enough. didn't. They didn't play their fastball the whole time. Like they were one of the best regular season teams of all time last year. They have less depth, which means I think. They have less depth and they have a better top, the slightly better top five, I think, which means they're going to play that top five more probably this season. But there well, are some risks of injury. So I'm, I'm, I'm over fade on this team as well. Yeah, over fade is a totally reasonable one. I'm going over play just because I think Giannis is, Giannis is a workhorse. Their, their starting five defense is going to be great. And they, you know, when you think about. We're both, we both agree they're definitely worse than last year. Yeah, but you could be worse than last year and still be good enough to do yeah, this. Yeah, I mean, like, no, I mean, like, the number is, like, they're set at 57 wins and they won 63. So, yeah. it's like, yeah, I mean, like, they're worse. But, I mean, I'm saying they're, like, four games worse. And, like, it's, it's but they are also, like, and I've mentioned this before, they're going to play a lot. Like, I mean, actually, in their case, playing outside the division hurts because they're Because their division's crap. terrible. Yeah, they're, they're playing less games. They're getting less proportional games against the Central, which is actually going to hurt them a little bit. Like they're going to play more games against the Atlantic than they would, right? Yeah, uh, that, that, and that hurts. But the Bucks, remember, the Bucks are a crazy good regular season team, and they they will have a lot of these games. Like I think the Bucks could be the example of a team that gets more rest for their guys in games rather than missing whole games. So like 
they'll have a bunch of them that they're just it's over in the third because remember okay. they're like they were they were the best defensive team in the league last year. Yeah, and, they lost, but I mean they lost some key pieces to that defense from the bench, right? So sure. like Bobby Portis is not Robin Lopez. No, I mean and their 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 defense will be their defense will be worse, but I think that their their B and C games can crush bad teams. Right. And uh, and they'll be in the mix against good teams and and the Bucks all of the all of the flaws that I, I all the criticism I have for Mike Budenholzer as a coach that most of that stuff doesn't apply in the regular season because and because you can't game plan like the fun, one of the f- most fun games for me all of last season it was pre bubble was when Zion and the Pelicans played the Bucks and yeah. Zion you know he has this bully ball stuff that works against almost everybody and then he but tried I, it against Giannis and Brooke Lopez and it didn't work and that's I'm kind gonna, of I'm gonna, I'm gonna love when we talk about the Pelicans because I think they did yeah. some really interesting things and so, um, so Milwaukee like they're so good at what they do that in the regular season when you don't get to do adjustments and game plans and optimization doesn't matter as much I think that they'll be totally fine Giannis at six to one to win his third MVP in yep. a row. I'm on it. There's been a, like, this growing thing, like, you know, uh, Bontemps did this piece, which is totally fair, on, like, basically asking other people what they thought, and they were predicting voter fatigue. Here's yeah, the, the, pro- is, here's the, the he, problem with that. He's going to play more minutes this year, probably. Well, not only that, but I am going to predict that the best regular season player is going to win the MVP instead of predicting that somebody other than the deserving guy is going to win it. Like, that is, it, to me, that is a wild thing to predict. It, it could think, happen. I, it, is it is it too strong to say we love Giannis six to one to win? I, I love it at six to one, absolutely. Yeah, the, the thing is, I, I'm thinking about it from a fantasy perspective. Like fantasy, kind of like play, can influence this. And what happens if Giannis has to play 32 minutes a night because his team is worse? I and mean, if Giannis has to play 32 minutes a night, his statistical case gets stronger. <laughs> he's gonna put up wilt like numbers. Yeah, like he's gonna he's gonna I be mean, putting up like 40. He's gonna, he's gonna put up like 40, 15, and. And, and here, here's the thing. Like, Giannis was the deserving defensive player of the year last year. Yes, yes, yes. And yes. no reason to believe that he won't be in that conversation again. And he will be yes. a, a valuable offensive player. He, I presume he will play more minutes than his competition. You know, LeBron, Harden's situation is a giant he's question a clear, mark. He's the clear number one. He's the clear number one on. He's the clear number one on the best team in the league. Yeah, and he's going to play and more minutes. Yeah, yeah, he might not be the Finals MVP. I'm not, that's not. We're not putting six so to one on him being Finals MVP. We're putting six to one the, on him being regular season MVP. The correct number for Giannis this year would probably be something more like two and a half to one. You're getting. It might even be for me. It might even be two and a half or one and a half. Yeah, yeah I agree with that. Two and a like, half. And like voter, like voter, voter fatigue is also a very strange argument. When I would, I would argue that voters are smarter now. Like, do you, do we really think that? Media members are that like that with this group that, yeah, that if, if he's honest, the deserving honest, MVP that, that 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 you vote for somebody else they're like oh that's fine like that, that's going to fly now. Giannis has the best statistical case raw number he has the best raw numbers and he has the best statistical case for all the advanced stats and his team is the number one seed in the league. Yeah. What what about that says he should be six to one? And remember, he's not playing unlike LeBron and AD, and we'll get there in the Western Conference podcast. There isn't somebody he's to siphon votes from him. Yeah, there isn't there isn't anybody on this team to siphon votes from him. So yeah, now I agree with that. Yeah. Um Conf, let's let's talk about the interesting stuff. Division odds for Milwaukee. <laughs> They're basically non existent. I mean it's it's a it's a time I value mean, it's a time value money thing. I mean, why would you well, put why would you put money on that? Well, I mean you wait, it, it sits for eight months. <laughs> <clears throat> I'm sorry. Well, I mean, I mean, yeah. There's better ways to spend your money. I think that like conference loss for Milwaukee. Let's look at these three things. to one, basically. <sighs> That's not bad. It's not bad, but also like, oof, am I gonna? Let's, do I really want to bet on Mike Boonholzer? 
if you're if you're betting them at three to one to win the conference, you better off betting them at six at seven at six and a half to one to win the title. I agree. Um, I, I think if I, they get if they, if they get to the finals, they're beating the crap out of whoever they're getting put over. I, I wouldn't I wouldn't go that far, but it's it, they're going to be facing good competition in the East playoffs. So if they've made it through that cauldron, that means they figured some things out yeah, that I they think, haven't. I think winning the East is tough for the winning in the finals for them. I think. Uh, I, I, mean, I, 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 I would disagree. I would disagree with that, but I think that I think the, they, have, they have like the Laker fans are weird. So they they've got oh the Lakers the Lakers won the finals because in a, in a lot of ways in six games because the, the heat were felt pieces right like the well, bam was hurt and uh, i mean the, the lakers the lakers were a really good team but the lakers also benefited were, from right. the from, also, from the other two best teams in the regular season falling so hard that they didn't even face them right and the and they didn't face the teams that could like challenge them and the heat yeah. weren't like the heat got hurt in that series, but now they, it would have gone seven. The other trick with the Lakers to figure out this year is the Lakers had some key players that defined their identity during yeah. the season. Well, let, let's let's save yeah. let's save the Lakers stuff for we'll later. Save that later. But so I like that, I, I think I think the Bucks at six six point six. It's not terrible, but I would rather bet their regular season success than their playoff success right now. And then if if I feel more confident because. They're really shallow, and the other sneaky part the thing, with the well, Bucks. The thing, the, thing about the, the thing about the title odds is I don't expect their title odds to be any better than they are now. That's true, but the, the, the other, odds, but the, the challenge here, here I, I, as I a CBA, like, as never a, the, you're never getting the, the Bucks at cheaper than six point six to one. To that's fair, but here's the the other challenge for the Bucks in terms of actually winning the championship is they Wouldn't. are they are right up against the hard cap, which means they can't spend to get better. And they're very asset poor because they gave up everything for Drew Holiday, so they can't make trades to get better. So they really like maybe they could get a buyout guy or two if they get him at the minimum, but that's about it. And so they're this this it's team. A, it's a fu- it's a funny little thing because there ha- there have been guys like there are guys out there you can go out and get that aren't coming in through the draft. And I'll point out to a couple players. Wanamaker is a guy who, like, he was a good player in Europe. He's a – I hated losing him for the Celtics. He's really good. He's going to be good for the Warriors. Uh, there are a bunch of undrafted guys or, like, D-League guys I can point to in this offseason. Guys like like Reeves. Like, the Mavs picked up Reeves and Hinton, which is kind of like, what the hell? Like, how are teams letting these, like, two guys get to the Mavs? So they are guys – I mean, that argument, if you've got the right top players, if you've got a good research department, you can find guys for the 7th, 8th, ninth, 10th spot who are competent. Like, go out and get, like, guys with experience in Europe or go out and get guys who are, like, good in in, in, in college or, like, kind of, like, for whatever reason they fall, they fall through the cracks. Again – there's a different thing when you're looking, and this teams get confused, but some like the smart teams understand this. There's a difference between when you're looking for the top three guys versus when you're looking for guys who are like six to twelve on the uh, on on your on your depth chart. It's not hard to find guys who have NBA level skills for the bench as opposed to trying to find like these star players. And teams kind of like teams get confused about this stuff sometimes. That's and true. so like I, I think that problem to have, which is like we've got a top heavy roster and we need to find guys to fill out the roster. Like the Lakers did a terrific job of doing that last. Like the Lakers, kudos to them. Palinka did a fantastic job doing that. The Celtics did a good, have done a good job with that. The Spurs have done a good job with that. I think the Mavericks are doing a good job with that. So I mean like having that problem is overstated. Yeah, they've got a bunch of money tied up to the top level, but like finding these guys to fill out these roles, like you know, you can find you can find guys like Alex Caruso out there. It's not a it's not a it's not a huge ask, really. Uh, anything else? I think we've I think we've kind of hit a lot of this with the East. Uh, anything else you think we need to discuss? No, I think we're good for the East now. Like we got to decide when we're doing part two. <laughs> 
Thanks again to Arturo Goletti for taking the time to come on. He is the CTO of SportsGrid, and you can follow him on Twitter, though he has a protected account, so I guess you can request it, at American Numbers, A-M-E-R-I-C-A-N-N-U-M-B-E-R-S. It's all written out, and absolutely love having him on. Love the exercise, and... As I discussed at the outset, this is the first part of the Over-Unders podcast. The second part, the West, we already recorded. We recorded that on Wednesday the 16th as well, but that will be out due to publishing kind of stuff. That'll be out on Monday in all likelihood. It's already recorded. I have to do editing and all that fun stuff, but it'll be, it should be out then in time for the start of the season, which is pretty exciting. And if you want to support the show, there are a lot of different ways you can do it. You can leave a rating, leave a review in the podcast player of your choosing. It's great if it's Apple Podcasts, but understand if it's not, you can also use word of mouth, whether that's social media or in person, hopefully safely if you're doing that or whatever. Just tell people, hey, you like this show, you like this show in particular or the whole podcast in general. Either way, it works. And subscribing, downloading every episode, that's super great. And podcast player for choosing, Spotify, Apple, really wherever, it, it really does help. And you can't get into a habit with Real Jam Radio because it will always depend on when I have time and my guests have time and everything else. So you very rarely, I can tell you now when in all likelihood the next episode's coming out, that is exceedingly rare for the show. So that's why you should subscribe, download. Plenty of other content for me as well. I have a bunch of written work either submitted or in process for The Athletic, which is fun, including the first time I've ever done this. I'm, I'm working on it right now, so it should be out soon. Working on a, a write-up of over-unders. Um, I was asked to do that, and so hopefully that will be published. And a bunch of other stuff, extension, part of my extension previews out and the other part is in the other two parts are in process and then of course dunked on dunked on the free episode is once a week sunday evenings monday mornings and then dunked on prime covers the other four days of the week and ad free for the for the fifth and we're going to be going full steam. I mean, the season starts really soon, so Nate and I are extremely excited about that. And Real Jam Radio, as I said, next week will be West over-unders, and then we'll continue apace. That is the way this works. I generally try to keep it a little more broad. That is the idea, because I'm doing the daily stuff with Nate, and so I see them as compliments, not only because... I know some of the listeners are the same, but also because I like occupying different different kind of parts of my basketball brain, and I think that's a really fun exercise, and I hope you enjoy it as well. If you have any feedback on the show, good, bad, or indifferent, NBA at gmail.com is the way to get it to me. If you take the time to write it, I will take the time to read it. That is a promise. I try to get back to people. I'm not super great about that, but I try, And, um, and but my promise is that I'll read it. I don't want to waste your time. And Twitter's too ephemeral, everything else. So that that is the place that if you want me to read it, that is the place to send it to me. And that is about it. That's about it for now. Uh, it's a really exciting time because so much is going on. It's been honestly a little bit exhausting, but mostly the good kind of exhausting. And be with you for the West Overunders in a few days, and then for the season proper soon enough. Thank you so much for listening. Take care and make it a great day. <laughs>